This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm Jay Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're having colonial fun in foreign lands as we watch Spine 172 in the Criterion Collection, Julian Duvivier's Pepe Lamoco from 1937. But mm-hmm. first, RJ, mm-hmm. how's that hoodie treating you? Hey, what's your deal with hoodies? Do you own a hoodie? Yeah. Yeah? When do you wear hoodies? Uh, when it's appropriate. When would you think the appropriate time to wear one is? When doing something active, perhaps outdoors, not in a closed well, basement. <laughs> are you talking about a sports sweatshirt? Sweat, sweaty pants, tracky mm. bottoms. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I uh, consider this. Consider this. If you were at your house and you were cold, what would you do? Would you put a sweater on? Turn on the heat. You would turn on the heat. But what if it was the middle of summer? I wouldn't be cold because it would probably be quite warm. But what if you were in the basement and you had the air conditioning on and it was quite cold where you were? Well, I'm living that right now and uh, you'll see I'm not wearing a hoodie. Do you I got think, air con I, at I, your I, house? I think I do. In fact, it's going right now. It's quite lovely, mm-hmm. RJ. No, I think mm-hmm. it's because uh, the hoodie really isolates your uh, your moon face for me. So it's just like all very emphasized and your body just disappears. What do you mean moon face? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> What's a moon face? It's very round. Round, round, as opposed full, to full round cheeked, cherub like bearded face I see across from me every Wednesday as I record. It fills me with such joy. My next question would be, what are you getting at? What are you getting at over there, Jarrett? I don't know. How are you doing? What do you doing? want from me? I love you, RJ. I, love I know. You. Hey, you've been watching those sports? Oh, oh, oh hey, hey, bud. Hey, bud. You've been watching the sports, so, Jarrett? Uh, nope, I have yet to watch. Have you just seen I, the uh, aftermath? I, I have yet. I get to see like national headline news about how poor sportsmanship mm. from uh, hosting cities might have turned the tide against the hosting city and uh, invigorated teams to like perform better. I this is like headlines, headline oh, yeah. news, and it's like. Is this actually what our priority is? Yes, yes, well, it is for many. And uh, apparently, right now uh, is a, a game seven, which uh, is fascinating. NHL, yeah, the hockey. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I know people who are on both sides, uh, but it seems like people are both like, "Yeah, I'd be happy with either team won because they neither team are like super super winner teams." But uh, I don't like either of those teams. They both suck. No, well, there so you fuck them. There you go. RJ, 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 RJ's coming in here. Uh, Beantown's full of fucking criminals and convicts. Fuck them. You, you're a Boston. You like the Red Sox, you son Yeah, of a I like bitch. the Red Sox, but I don't like the Bruins. Oh, man. Fuck the Bruins. Oh, geez. They're it's a bullshit hot. team. Oh, it's hot, getting hot in here. It's getting heated. So you were talking about that uh, national news there, and it's like, is that priority? Well, I, I think more people watch that than listen to this podcast. So, eighteen point two million people watch that in America. Mm, what about Canada? All five uh, of us? Uh, probably a lot. I bet a yeah. lot of people were tuning in to a basketball game for the very first time in their life last night or two mm. nights ago. So, so here's the thing, Jarrett. Could ha- what they have done turn the tide? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. The other thing that people are considering what, is that what, what even are we if talking the Raptors about, RJ? Win now, <laughs> we're talking about basketball. Bas- basketball. What, someone's well, going to tune Toronto... in one day, RJ. Someone's going to turn in and be like, "Hey, 
What's, what do these guys think about Pepe Lamoco? And then they'll be like, what's all this sports ball talk? And then sports? they'll say, no, thank you. Do you want me to explain the situation? Well, all I'll say is what? Some guy named Durant. Durant. God, you're such a square. Let me handle he, this. He got, he got, handle he this. was injured and taken off and the crowd cheered. And it was like, ooh, that's a bad look, Tirana. Okay, so let me handle this. People are excited for the Toronto Raptors because it's the first time they've ever yeah, been to cool. a final. Not even one, just a final. And it is pretty cool because it is the only Canadian team. It's cool for... And it's, and it's actually like an occasion where a Canadian team is in a like national final for like a major sports league for a long while since Vancouver. And then when they lost, they burnt the city down. That's true. They did burn the city down. Because <laughs> that's what happens in Canada. <laughs> we like to well, say we're all nice and polite, well, he, loving here, here, people. Here's my point. But, but we're fucking animals. <laughs> here, here's the point. Where uh, what, what I'll get to is that, yeah, they say that we're the same, but I'm going to say that everyone is bad. And, and here's how I can there, – there's a lot of ways you can show that. So Toronto, they're winning. They were up three games to one. It's all – there's three games left. They're more or less in the bag. I shouldn't say that, you know, knock on wood, but sometimes... Knock on wood. Got to knock on wood. Pray to the wood elves, yeah. There, there's a couple, I mean, other teams have done it before, like Boston Red Sox did it. That's a different sport entirely, but yep. they did it. They did so it. So anyways, so they were winning, and I think the other big thing is that they're playing Golden State, which is just a the, shit team, Jared. Yeah, like, the, the winningest winning team that everyone hates, yeah. Yeah, well, they fucking... Unless you're it's, from it's, California, then you I'm, love them. I'm so sick of it because they're there. It's I think their fifth year in a row that they're there, and it's just like fuck. Who cares anymore? Sam Sanchez and our other Californians can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but oh, those Dubtown bastards, they know then. Because <laughs> fuck them, I'm, I'm so sick of it. So, anyways, Kevin Durant, he is like the best player ever alive right now, Jared. And then he was out the whole series, and Toronto was winning. And then it was his game five. He was announced. He's back, baby. He's coming out early because he's gonna try to help uh, them stay alive. He got hurt. The whole stadium applauded and cheered and then waved him goodbye. They also like did the friendly sports thing and like applauded when he was able to walk away, not because they were cheering him out. But so, yeah, they did that. And then my big thing is everyone's like ganging up on the Raptors. They're not now. They're like, this is absolutely (laughs) reprehensible. Yeah. And they're like (laughs) jowls or jiggling. They're like, you would never see this in an American Coliseum. And it's just like, that's such horse shit. It's like that bullshit. (laughs) That stuff happens fucking all the time for every team of every city. And it's like, get over yourselves. You guys like, was that, (laughs) is it good? No, but like, come on. It's, national headlines like i was reading this i'm like is this real like this should be like buried on some like sports sub category that i don't have to look at no this is and people are like oh there's people waiting in line three days oh now they got free tickets <laughs> why did they get free tickets because i don't know i don't fucking know and i don't care there was another thing too where like i'm not, gonna, one of, I'm not see i think i'm a i, I have a latest down i'm not gonna be like oh i'm suddenly i've always been into basketball hey rj did you know mm-hmm. i have a basketball hoop on my garage <laughs> i have seen this hoop do you want me to bring over my basketball well see i'm waiting for my uh 2019 nba championship raptors ball mm-hmm. to be uh released and commit to commemorate and uh celebrate their victory with my hoop are you going to get a, a freshly minted Raptors hat and a, a oh, jersey man. and maybe oh. even some kicks? I'm, I'm going to go dig up my uh, Raptors jacket from when I was in grade seven, my God winter jacket. Man. Oh, yeah. Who bought you a sports jacket when you were a kid? You weren't playing any sports. Oh, but everyone, it wasn't about 
but like, it had a raptor on it, it? Yeah, it had a raptor because Jurassic Park ruled, and this is like I got a raptor on it. It's like, so yeah, I think I even had like a Florida Panthers uh, like winter jacket. I've mm-hmm. never, I've never seen the Florida Panthers play in my life, but I had one. It's like all these, uh, these people with their Yankees hats and their Dodgers hats, and I'm like, mm-hmm. have you ever watched a game? They probably have a boyfriend or girlfriend that has, and maybe they've seen it mm-hmm. benignly while they're on their their device wearing their their uh, attire because it looks it's not cool. about the sport, Jared. It's about the celebrity and endorsement of their mm-hmm. of the brand of this is my team. Mm-hmm. It's about being part of something that's bigger than yourself. Jarrett. Yeah. Jarrett. So anyways, so, yeah. that's Sports Corner. Anyways, sports. I'm just saying, everyone shitting on him is, uh, sports. they're kidding themselves. Everybody sucks. Everyone stinks. Mm-hmm. So what stinks with you? That's about it, eh? All right, cool. Hey, folks. It's moving right it's, along. It's, 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 it's free RPG day. You go to your local don't, game store and... Don't uh, do that. <laughs> they don't care. Go, don't forget your D20. Go, go kill a dragon on Saturday. You're such a nerd. Nobody likes this. <laughs> no one has ever I'm, emailed I'm try, in I'm, and I'm said, to, give I'm, me I'm, some of that I'm trying, to, I'm, trying, I'm trying to balance it out with the sports talk, you know? Oh, tell us about a, be a, a dice. Be a hero in your real life. Oh, yeah, like a sports hero? Or, a, I don't know, a barbarian? Or oh. a, a wizard? Oh, hey, I know what you're doing. See, it's all about probability, too. All right. Well, I it's, mean, it's well, how do dice work? Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. How do... RJ, I got emails. Oh, a lot? Yeah. Yeah? Lots. Well, get rolling then, I guess. First up, Colin Richards with an Colin email entitled, Richards. New Fan. <gasps> what do you mean, New Fan? <laughs> Well, let's find out. Hey, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm a relatively new fan. And just first and foremost, wanted to say, keep it up. I just followed you both Thanks. on Letterboxd. Thanks for the follow back. And have been adding a lot more stuff to my watch list. Just had a few questions for either of you. Number one. Right now, I feel like I am overrating movies. Do you ever feel like you do the same? Should I watch some gar- mm-hmm. uh, garage garbage to remind myself what bad movies are? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Sometimes it's uh, a good thing to do. Um I don't know, RJ, you and I have kind of been on a, uh, we're abstaining from star ratings. I think well, that's something this is, that we've this been is doing. a good time to address this. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'll say, yeah, you definitely got to watch some shit to see what good stuff is for sure. I mean, maybe watch it. Don't do a whole month of just trauma movies, but like, <laughs> you know, find your own trauma and, and do that. Um, but when Jared gets to what he's been creeping on, uh, I think you'll find that. Uh, there's a certain fatigue that sets in. Uh, we've been talking. We were talking about this in real life, like a week or two ago, about letterboxed fatigue, and uh, it's nothing new. We've been talking about ratings for fucking ever, and just like how conscious it makes you of while you're watching a movie, and how mm-hmm. it's kind of distracting, and at the same time, it like for me too. Like there's there's been movies where you're just like, what am I gonna rate? And then it like really takes you out of it, and it's like that sh- shouldn't be what it what you're doing you should just watch your movie and enjoy mm-hmm. it so it's like yeah maybe just uh rate it whatever if you feel like rating it lately i've been if i feel like rating it i do and if not i just give it a little a little heart and uh jared too i think yeah right that's what yeah that's kind of been my thing yeah I fatigue f- i, I f- it's really strange because right now i feel like i'm maybe overly harsh on movies 
Yeah, and, we uh, like, are. And, I've, and I've like clicked back on like my reviews from the past, and there's definitely been phases where I've like been harsher on movies than other times, and then I was yeah. like overly generous. Like it's it's weird. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a kind of a wacky thing to think about like star ratings and like people giving reviews and you're like, well, what was going in there going on in their life when they were thinking about this mm-hmm. particular movie um, yep. that they like either something just did not respond well to them. They just like, maybe their dog died and they were like in a yep. real sour mood and didn't want to watch your garbage movie that day. Or, uh, and like, maybe they were just in a funk for like two months and they were watching a whole bunch of movies and everything they watched was just bad or something that was like mediocre at best was like, it really hit them in the right way and was amazing. It's, yeah, see, um, I feel like that constantly when there's movies I talk about where it's like, I'm like, yeah, this is really good. And then everyone's like, that movie was fucking horrible. And I'm like, well, I don't care. Yeah. It's fun. It's so, fun, Jared. I don't know. That's not really a straightforward answer, but uh, it's, some, it's good it's, enough. It's relevant to our, our current uh, feelings. Number mm-hmm. two, if either mm-hmm. of you had to pick three favorite directors, who would it be? Jarrett, uh, <laughs> David Lynch, Jarrett, Jared Duncan, okay, Jared Duncan, David Lynch, uh, David Lynch yeah. Paul, An- Paul Thomas Anderson, and there uh, there's three. Yeah, I can't believe I, mean, I can't. I'm honored, RJ, that I took you're, the top you're spot. You're on the list. You beat out Chris Nolan. You beat out uh, <laughs> your buddy, director of the Fountain, Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. You beat them out all, even GDT. I don't know. That's a rough it's guess tough. of mine. What Fav- about you? Favorite directors. Hmm. Yeah. Right now. Um, Off the top of your head. Werner Herzog. I've yeah. uh, actually been very surprised uh, rewatching his stuff. Good old David Lynch is uh, mm-hmm. a guy that personally was just, I don't know. I, I find a lot there for me. And, oh, we'll just look over on the wall. See, and uh, uh, We'll go Wes Anderson, even though it could be P.T. Anderson. Probably, well, probably, the, probably, probably more uh, Paul Thomas. Yeah. Paul Thomas well, Anderson? Well, so would, we have the exact same people, except for I'm not my favorite director. Oh, you would have. Well, instead of uh, Duncan, you probably yeah. would have said someone like um, Paul. Uh, what's the other Paul Anderson? Paul S? Paul, Paul, w, Paul W.S. Paul W.S. Anderson? Yeah. You could have said him or uh, you could have said Cronenberg. He's a uh, David. Yeah, very easily. All, uh, yep. there's, there's so many good directors. So They're, let's say those guys. All these great men. Hey, Jared, all these great why, Yeah, men. why were there no women in your favorite directors? <laughs> uh, There's a director of, um, you know, the good stuff. A League of Their Own. Yeah. What's her face? Huh? I don't remember her name, but yeah. man, is that a good movie. Hey. And um, Awakenings. Number three. What's your beef uh-huh. with Denny? I don't think 2049 <laughs> is great, but I still think his track record is better than most directors around these days. So I think that's your court there, pal. Yeah. So I like like Denny Villeneuve's early, earlier movies. I liked Enemy. I liked uh, Polytechnique. I liked his short films. What about Asan D? I haven't watched it yet. It is in my to watch pile. It sounds pretty rough movie. Sounds, yeah, I've heard it's heavy. So uh, pretty I, rough, and that's kind of the direction I've been going in. So it's it's getting closer and closer to being watched. I, I think yeah. it's uh, Arrival really underwhelmed me. And 2049 mm-hmm. really underwhelmed me. So it's kind of like his recent streak. And I think the fact that everyone talks about him in such high regard, it, it, it kind of uh, irks my uh, contrarian nature. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll, yeah. I'll play devil's advocate just for the sake of it. Get- I, I I didn't like 2049 as much this time either. So uh, I, I was shitting on Denny. 
quite a bit. But uh, I liked Arrival. Um, I liked Enemy. Ace on D, like, I'm, that movie's fucking rough, but uh, I liked it a lot. Um, I liked Prisoners. I know you weren't a big fan of that one. Uh, for me, it was um, Sicario. Like, I thought Sicario was okay, but... Uh, oh, fuck, I don't Sicario. Know. Was, oh, see, I totally forgot he did see, that, too. That was the one where everyone was, like, still praising Denny Villeneuve, and I was like... I was like, Sicario's not that good, you guys. Yeah, that movie I was like, his other movies were yeah. a lot better. So this is part of his, like, ever since he went Hollywood, I guess. Um, yeah. I, liked, I liked him when he was a nice uh, Canadian boy. <laughs> I'm I'm really not looking forward to this Dune business, Jarrett. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's not going to work out great for us. I don't think it should. Well, I think, yeah, it's not for us, but more or less, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a movie. Also. Yeah. If either of you have seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the episode where Charlie's mom asks for money, money me now, was the first thing to uh, come to my mind because of RJ in the Blade Runner episode. Mm. What did I do in the Blade Runner episode? I, I don't remember. That was like a it, week ago in a three-hour episode. So I, <laughs> We've mentioned as soon as the episodes are done recording, it's completely out of our mind. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not kidding. It's completely out of your mind. <laughs> But I, I've been car- I've been compared to uh, Charlie in Always Sunny a few times. You actually look a lot like Charlie at this moment. So Charlie? Yeah. Yeah. With the mustard on my uh, clothes and mm-hmm. you know bird shit seat. Yeah, during, oh, that's doing, my good uh, chair. Uh, playing it's covered night, in bird shit. Playing night crawlers over there. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be okay if we're. Uh, I mean, even you know, we're we're yeah we're fans. Keep it up. Big love from Illinois. Patreon donation coming soon, even though I have not much interest in the next few hundred criterion. The banter wow. and exposure to new movies is worth it. Well, thank you. Good to hear. Neither do I have any uh, oh. any interest in the next hundred or two. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you. First yes. time. Yeah, it's uh, nice to hear from new people. Next up, old people. Sam what do you Sanchez. mean old? How old is he, do you think? I'm, like 50? Uh probably not no. probably like 40 maybe or 30 uh, with the enticing 20, I don't know, email header male oh which hey. m-a-l-e or yeah. m-a-i-l uh, the former oh okay hey again so about last week when i mentioned mikey and nikki being on criterion channel apparently i think this is a u.s versus canada thing because it looks like i have access to mikey and nikki on my end and this isn't the first time that a podcaster from canada had mentioned mikey and nikki not being on the channel I wonder what other yep. film rights don't transfer to you guys. And I also posit, I wonder what films are on the Criterion Channel in Canada, but not in America. There uh, there are definitely more than this because someone else mentioned once um, movies that were on there. Well, Tokyo Olympiad like, uh, yeah. wasn't. And there's been yeah, there, there's been a few no, that have come I, up. In the, I'm Canada's actually, is different. I have a bad batting record with the channel. Like about half the time I look up a movie that I would actually like to watch maybe in the next yeah. like month or so, not on there half mm. the time. It's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And it's probably because some of the movies are more like they, they don't have the rights exactly for it because uh, goddamn French Canada mm-hmm. and their weird exclusivities and stuff like that. That's what I'm going to blame. Uh, I will also blame French Canada with their figurehead and spokesman, Denny Villeneuve, because uh, Quebec ruins everything. You ever seen a, a nice entry where it's like, good for everywhere except for Quebec? And you're like, hmm, strange. Yep. It's, it's, strange. it's a thing with books. Tintin, which we'll talk about later. Uh, 
about the okay. vin- about the vinegar syndrome sale again. Finally got my shipment, so you guys should gradually see me going through a lot of those as well as other uh, vinegar syndrome movies I had just sitting on my shelf unwatched. Should be good times. And just before we started recording, Sam, I was showing RJ some sweet slip covers from my recently arrived today mm-hmm. box of vinegar syndrome sale movies. What was my response to that? I think you were like, "Ooh, the suckling." Yeah, the suckling and uh, night piece. Those movies, fuck. Well, the suckling. <laughs> Oh, it, is different. It, it's not. It's a great bad movie for different reasons. Yeah. RJ was less excited about uh, a climax in Blue Power, though. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Don't really have much else this time, but decided to ask a question that crossed my mind. Do you oh. guys personally, or have anyone around you, have that irrational hang-up with movies? I guess RJ's animal thing would count. The sentiment isn't irrational, but the oh, blanket feeling yeah. of all depiction of it being a negative is kind of pushing it, but at least it comes from a good place in that cold heart. Mm-hmm. Would it help mm-hmm. if it were female animals getting harmed? <laughs> no, it yeah. would not, okay? <laughs> I have two female kittens, and I love them, and I would kill anyone who ever looked at them. Two that come to mind for me is my sister has some kind of anti-snow agenda for movies. Strongly prefers not to watch a movie if it takes place in snow. She has stayed away from Fargo because she saw it takes place in snow and will often stay away from movies I recommend if she sees an image of snow when she looks the movie up. Though, she seems to be a Game of Thrones fan, so whatever. Similarly, an old friend of of mine doesn't like anything sci-fi because it's all too goofy for her, but she is an enormous Star Wars fan. While not Hmm. technically sci-fi there, pretty much has all the goofy shit and then some that a sci-fi movie would have. I'm always kind of amazed or at least Hmm. intrigued at the opinions people who aren't the obsessive types about movies tend to have. And okay, RJ, we'll start pretending like you don't hate women. You play a character anyway, so at least the character you play can be a better person. Take care, guys. Well, at least the character is consistent, right? Am I right? At least I stand up for something. I I, I do like that he pointed out that uh, my uh, my stance, annoying as it may be, is not uh, all that um, <laughs> irrelevant or whatever use word he used. Because I think it, I've mentioned before, I I understand that I uh, I hammer that down pretty hard, but uh, I don't care. Because it bugs me, and if it bugs me, it's going to bug you guys too. Until until enough people take notice, and then they start... Until the people start listening to us, man. Right, Jared? So wait, what, was, what, what else were we talking about? Uh, do you know of anyone or yourself that have an irrational hang-up on movies? Uh, there's this guy I know named Jared Duncan, and he hates women. And uh, he just hates when he sees women in movies, when they're... When they're just around, he hates them. He really hates women. I think you're protesting so much, RJ, that it, uh, you're mm. playing your hand. Oh. I mean, I don't know anyone. I don't know. What do you think, Jared? You, you're the one who gets hung up on stuff like that sometimes. Hmm. I really don't know anyone. Well, there's like... <laughs> there's like the people who have a... Hang hey, up about uh, Brie Larson. Who's got <laughs> hangups about Brie Larson? Comic people, comic men. They seem to be all like, I don't like Brie Larson. I don't know. It's, it's, but it's like, oh, it's based on YouTube videos and things they've read online. I, that's like something that like I've thought of recently. I'm like, huh, of all the problems you have with this, that's the one that uh, 
is going to make you not go see the like the twenty first Marvel movie. Do you think they hate women? I I think they uh, might have like a bar uh, a Baylog streak in them. Yeah. Hey, that's not fair to generalize the entire family because of the character that I play on this podcast that uh, six people listen to. Yeah. You understand? I, I get it. You understand? Well, I yeah, I don't know. It's uh, this snow one I find bizarre. That's weird. Girlfriend hates snow. What are you going to do? <laughs> right, Jarrett? Yep. That's, I got nothing. Sorry, Stephen. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, maybe someone else can email in and uh, fill in these, this gap for us yeah. because we we'll, are uh, we'll totally put it up. drawn we'll, a blank. We'll, we'll put it out there. And I'll think about it for a week. Maybe something will come up. Yeah. Next right. up, Justin Peterson. They're all here. Getting ready for the big show. Hey, Jared and RJ. It's official. Mm. I just updated my Creeps Patreon up to the big $50 mark to lock in a co-hosting spot for this summer. I look oh, forward baby. to chatting with you guys about the first Criterion movie I ever purchased. Oh, baby. See, I like that. That's nice. I know uh, you don't, I mean, come on whenever you feel like, but it's it's cool that he could have uh, planned it that way. Yeah. Just timing, I guess. Exactly. A couple questions for you. Number one. So I was recently uh, watched Cr- Future Creep Jellyfish Eyes. And despite the CGI not being good, I still had a fun time with it. So is bad CGI in a movie a deal breaker for you? What movies with bad CGI did you still genuinely like? I don't think it's a deal breaker. There's a lot of Godzillas that have pretty poor uh, CGI that I'm I'm usually fine with. Or uh, Big Man Japan. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's an even better example. Big Man, Big Man Japan has some pretty pretty atrocious CGI, but the movie... It works, though. It, like, yeah. it, it works... It works the for con- the movie. Yeah, it works yeah. in the context of the movie where it's like that because it, it makes it more unsettling because it's so kind of shoddy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I, it all depends, I guess, in the context of like what movies have. Can I look past? Like, is the movie good enough that I can look past the bad mm-hmm. stuff, or is does it just like, oh god, I don't know. I would say definitely for like horror films, I usually give a little bit more like a little bit more leeway, mm-hmm. like. Independent small budget horror films. If they're big budget horror films and they have bad CGI, then uh, you tee off. Yeah, then then we'll be doing sports stuff, like Jared said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think. But yeah, yeah, there you go. Big Man yeah. Japan, folks. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's leave it at well, that. If yeah. you haven't seen Big Man Japan, isn't that on the Criterion Channel? Mm. Oh no, it's on Shutter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah yeah it, seems, shutter. yeah it seems like there's like a just like a lower ceiling of like quality of like cgi you're gonna get from like probably a lot of like asian cinema uh they, they just don't they, they just don't have dude ac- hates asians <laughs> they don't have access to like the hollywood machine uh mm-hmm. and like huge huge budgets to make these things look good which even nowadays they don't look good they look bad <laughs> but um there's like times where it works, like you said, like the Godzilla movies. Those are movies that have like you know ten million dollar budgets. Yeah, if that you can see past it for and those you can ones. see it, yeah. Even like Shin Godzilla was like pushing the boundaries uh, yeah. of its effects, but mm-hmm. it still worked. What about sometimes, sometimes it's bad, CGI, like uh, like in uh, One Car Wise twenty forty six. I thought that, mm. that the CGI in that was not very good. No, not very good at all. Yeah, not very good at all, Jared. But but it can also be really good because uh, in Stephen Chow movies, where it's like it's obviously CGI, whatever you want to call it bad, but it's effective, so mm. it's good. But it's clearly effects, but executed in line with everything else. So 
again. Mm. It's all a matter of movie to movie, I guess. Number two, mm-hmm. if you notice a foreign language film has a dub available, will you ever watch it? Or do you insist on watching movies in their original language of subs? I uh, basically insist on watching movie with the original language with English subs. Yes. Pretty well, like, unless, I, I don't I don't even know, like, why would I ever need to watch a movie in dub unless that is all that is available and there's no other option? Then, yeah, I guess. It's, it's frustrating with uh, Italian giallos and stuff like that. Some of those, like, the Italians were shooting movies for a long time where they only, like, for their markets. And that, well, it's fine. You're supposed to watch it that way, but... I find that the English dubbers' voices are so bad and so, like, the, the audio mixing is so poor that it just takes away the illusion that you're watching a movie. It's just like you're aware mm-hmm. of it. So I'm like, nah, I, I can't do it. Uh, I, I always found that I would watch a uh, Godzilla movie and if it had the English dub, it oh, I always enjoy those movies less every single time. Mm. Well, so I would say I, I do tend to lean towards the uh, um, the subs as well. Um, not not because like I didn't ever really find a huge problem with some of the American like voice actors, but uh, just the dubs themselves. Like I don't know. Sometimes you can tell it's like they. I think they didn't know what they were what they were supposed to say there, or like doesn't line up well, quite right. And it takes to, you out well, of it. Well, because a part of it is like they're trying to match the words with what the lips are saying as much as they yeah. can. And and you start getting these like, really aw- these awkward turns of phrases. It's yeah, it's a real craft. And then, I mean, I, I'm just assuming that this is in reference to live action movies because uh, animation is a different ballpark. I mean, obviously I would always, yeah. almost always prefer watching the original language with subs, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you do what L- you can. live action. It's got, it's got to be O L. <laughs> What does that mean? Original language, RJ. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, was was that a dumb question? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what stuff is. Number three, finally, oh. what actor comes to mind who has had the biggest slump in their career in recent years? What Ray is Liotta. Your, what is your favorite movie of theirs? Karina, Karina, with <laughs> Ray Liotta. Yeah, his his finest role. <laughs> That's my answer. There you go. Well, what, what um, would you say? I mean, I got, I would have to say like, but I don't even like them that much. It's like Will Smith. But I mean, like up until like Aladdin oh. just came out. I mean, everything that guy's been in, people just like, oh God. I think they, it's, he's got that M. Night Shyamalan factor going on after yeah. the, uh, what is it? Another Earth? Was that his, what's that movie called? Yeah, yeah, it was Another Earth. That was like or, one of the big breaking. I think The Happening no, was where it all broke. No, it wasn't Another Earth. That's another movie. But it's like a no, title like that. that's M. Night Shyamalan. Sure. It's uh after Earth. After Earth, there we go. Yeah, and it was a, it was a Earth. <laughs> yeah, you were close. Yeah, I was close, but not close. Uh, and what is my favorite Will Smith movie? Hmm. For you? <laughs> Shit. Let me let me let me pop this up here right now. I know you're a big Seven Pounds fan. Oh man, I I don't even know. Uh... Will Smith has good movies. No. Men in Black. No. I Am Legend. No. I Robot. That's no. fun. No. Hitch. No. Very good. I know you're a big fan of uh, Bad Boys. No. Oh, okay. Easy, easy, easy. Jarrett's favorite Will Smith movie is Wild Wild West. No. What about Enemy of the, Enemy See, of I've the never, State uh, with uh, Gene Hackman? There you go. That's that would I guess because it's got Gene Hackman by default and it's about uh, state it's paranoia. If it, yeah, sure. 
there you go. He's Interview funny. of the State's not bad. Mm, I can't imagine how that would hold up nowadays. Uh, mm. Other actors, who else? Who's got slumps, slumpage Ray going Leota. on? <laughs> in, in career and in body. What about like with Tom Cruise? I mean, he seems to have those Mission Impossibles, but I feel like those have those like- Those still rake in a lot of money. Yeah, but I, I think he's got like, he's also got that um, that weird, uh, people kind of don't, are really uncertain now about Scientology. And Will Smith yeah. isn't a Scientologist, but- uh, I'm of the opinion with that though, that I feel like everyone who shits on- uh, Tom Cruise about Scientology. I think you should get over yourself. Do I like Scientology? No, but uh, I can separate uh, this man's personal life from his well, uh, his he, acting. So, but he's kind of uh, gone back on that stuff too, because he was mm. trying to become like a, a figurehead, and that's always yeah. a bad move. It's like uh, when David Lynch is like really getting into that transcendental meditation. That's true. Well, I would say so. I think those Mission Impossible movies are doing like pre- pretty all right. You know who I, I would say would have been like uh, the one guy who had a big slump and is now the champion of the world? Uh, Keanu Reeves. People are really hot on Keanu Reeves now. Yeah, they're almost like too left hot. Speechless. A little too hot. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know who's in a slump is uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> he's in a bad spot, well, he's not Jared. He's women in New York City. I don't know if you heard this, but he's he is not in. Hey, get it together. He's not in a good way. Owen Wilson, that's another guy. He's got mental health problems. Yeah, he's in a emotional and a mental slump. I don't want to pick on him. What about uh, John Travolta being in Fred Durst movies about being a weirdo? Moose? See, so you were sending me images of Moose, and I didn't know what it was. I, I was <laughs> yeah. like, who's this guy? Like, what is this? Like, it's, yeah. it's, It just seemed like you knew me very well and were sending me this picture of this guy. I never looked at him very closely. And then uh, this week... Uh-huh. This that this is being distributed by Amazon Prime. This movie with John Travolta uh, being Moose. repackaged as the Fanatic. Oh, it's not called Moose anymore. No. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Moose was an awesome but, title. But at no point in all those times you were sending that to me, you just assumed that I was online on Reddit with you, knowing what that meant. I had <laughs> no idea what that was. You just would send it to me, and I was like, I don't get it. So uh, I have a friend of the show Ryan Nagel this week also was like, "Where do you find this shit?" And I was like, "Reddit." He's like, because he's like, he's like, did you see that somewhere? I was like, I just find it all on Reddit, man. Yeah, that that one got spread around a lot more though. People were like, kind of the like, moose picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty grisly. Yeah, but that hey, was pretty grisly. Come on, do you think it's gonna like, like maybe it's gonna do for uh, John Travolta what one hour photo did for uh, <laughs> Robin. Robin Williams? Yeah. And then well, John into, Travolta and get all insomnia next, and all all I can think of with John Travolta is that like thing about him coming on like aggressively to those massage therapists where he's like i'll jerk you off man it's like that's what the the quote was it's like come on man i'll jerk you off and it's like whoa john travolta you gotta t- dial it back a little bit ease in there ease in there <laughs> or uh his infamous his line from taking of pelham 123 you know that inf- infamous line right Jared? oh i got an actor like my bunghole motherfucker John so Hedder. Who's John Hedder? Is that Napoleon Dynamite? Yep. <laughs> I thought his name was Bill. No, Bill Hader's the guy you hate. Oh, well, he's he's like on a career high with as yeah, Barry. He's, he's doing good. He's doing real good. Yeah, that uh, Napoleon Dynamite guy is uh, in a bad spot. <laughs> I mean, he's he got, in a bad spot. He got lucky. He got like chocolate rain famous. That have we ever talked about that fucking piece of shit Tay Zonday on this show? 
he'll follow people on Twitter, the chocolate rain kid. He'll follow people on Twitter for like a week waiting for you to follow back and then he'll unfollow you. I got uh, screenshots. Okay. I got screen. He followed me for a week. People don't believe me. I say, what what about chocolate rain? Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah. He's unintentional slump. Yeah. Casey Affleck. (laughs) That one is uh, like forced by the uh, the powers that be in Hollywood oh, now. Oh man, careful now. Anyways, thanks, creeps, and I will chat with you all some more next week. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't offer up any of his opinions. Very sad by that. Oh. Who 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 who? Justin is experiencing a slump in your opinion. That's a good point. Yeah, I'd like to ask you the same question, Jarrett. Oh, I answered that. Anyways. Oh. Jack yes. Zed, Mr. Jackson. See, you're changing his name again. I don't think he appreciates he's, he's, it. He's got so many handles. I can't keep it straight. I don't think he appreciates it. And uh, frankly, I think you're doing doing the wrong thing. And the email header, just chainsaws and huh? hey creeps. As a follow-up to last week's email, I did mean Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween in regards mm-hmm. to the big three of slashers. I wouldn't personally mm-hmm. consider the Nightmare series to be slashers, but they seem to have always come up when looking into the genre. This mm-hmm. is true. It's like they kind of are and they aren't because it's like yeah. it's, it's like a supernatural thing. So even well, though see, that's, Michael that's Myers is like we they're all like about. unanimated dead things, the rules are just right. like neither here nor there. In addition to last week's question, what is the criteria for a good slasher? I tend to find those with good tension, mm. fleshed out characters to an extent. And of course, good kills to be the three big points. I still pray for the day a slasher gets the criterion treatment. Any suggestions? Keep mm. up the magnificent work, Jackson. That's very nice of him to say. Uh, what's a good slasher? So, it, well, let's, let's put it like this. Do you think It Follows is a slasher? Because that's that slow, menacing, unstoppable thing that a lot of slashers kind of go for. Well, is Incubus a slasher? And so the semen, an incredible amount. No, wait, sperm. yeah, that's <laughs> sperm. He uses both. Yeah, this is an incredible amount of semen. Uh, I would say, well, like they're even in those big three that he was talking about. They're standouts. Like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four is fucking awesome. Right. So, what are the elements though of a good slasher? Um, uh, for me, I, off the top of my head, so yeah, inventive, grotesque, violent death. Mm-hmm. That's uh, mm-hmm. that looked great. That's number one. I think that's, that's like one. that's the big check. I think even like mm-hmm. uh, uh, a hatchet can be like somewhat be worth watching just for those alone. Because mm-hmm. other than that, that movie is shit. It's got good kills though. Um, I think to like, kind of like, summarize the idea of like kind of the tension and character thing it's kind of like a sense of this is like one of my great cliched go-tos when i'm talking about movies is a sense of place where like Mm -hmm. when you're watching the movie and it really does feel like you are in the location that you are in with these characters Mm -hmm. like when the characters like are walking around it feels like yeah this makes sense this is what it would feel like to be at this location uh, in this sort of experience and you have this slow rollout and the characters are responding in kind to that event. So you have to have like a really good, great sense of environment and place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think then like the character, the actors and the characters like who have to like read this shitty dialogue or whatever. If you have a good director, they'll be like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have like these bad one-liners 
music mm. music is all, music's like a kind of a addendum to that because mm. having a, like a good effective score music i think mm. helps uh add to that sense of place and sense of dread because it's like not overdone you play it when it's necessary you don't drive it home except for like maybe to, to amp up the deaths um Mm-hmm. So yeah, those would be kind of. Uh, how important is the slasher look? That's that's one he Pretty doesn't important. mention. I think that's like, I mean, but some people hang so much on that. What about? Uh, I know you're a big fan of um, Leslie uh, Vernon or whatever that. Uh, the, the worst. The, the yeah. Behind the mask. You you like his look, right? But that that's because that's because uh, I don't think the like a mockumentary documentary is conducive to uh, the slasher genre. What about the Capes mockumentary? <laughs> Not a slasher yet. Yet? Well, when's the sequel coming out? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think the movie Super plays, acts very well like a slasher. Uh, and, and it's weird. And yeah. it's like strange elements, mm. uh, especially well, the, during think, the final act. Yeah. I think you summarized that pretty well. Yeah. I'm not trying, I'm trying to think of anything else I would throw in there. But those are like the things I like about the ones that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, yeah, you, when you think about it, you're you know exactly where the movie was set more than anything else. Like, it's a particular type of like forest or uh, a kill comes to mind, mm. and like, yeah, some good music to go along with that. I think those are the, those are good. And, and, yeah, tension just goes along with like the kill itself. Like, they got to be set up really well, yeah. um, and that's just good filmmaking. <laughs> something what that about- is, that's something that escapes a lot of filmmakers is uh, is creating good tension. What about Rob Zombie's Halloween 2? Does that have that, a good filmmaking that, that movie, in it? That uh, has a lot of problems. A Halloween 2? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're accurate. Yeah. What about Wishmaster? Is that a slasher? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it operates like a slasher, but that's like kind the, of. that's the goofy side of slashdom. That you have to like that's that'll make that'll make or break whether or not you're a slasher fan. And I'm not saying that like it's a good thing to be a slasher fan, but uh you, once you build up enough of a callus to this stuff, you start appreciating the rhythms and the payoffs, and you go, "I grade this one okay because the, it has this really cool death scene in it that would make my my slasher mixtape." What's on your slasher mixtape? I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fine. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, Jackson. And finally, RJ. Uh huh. Frank Solano. There he is. The val- they're all here. The the value of rewatchability. Mm, like for us, we don't have any. Hey, creeps. So recently, I've been slacking with the emails. I know. I've been slightly lazy the past month, as well as mm-hmm. preoccupied with work, a church project, and my grandmother's surgery. I Ooh. guess another part is that I feel like whenever we fans email in, we're participating in the show, and I honestly hadn't come up with something that's worthwhile for you guys to discuss until now, I think. That well, being I mean, said... a little harsh on yourself, but this okay. Week, that I am emailing in, I realized something about our collecting habits. In a previous episode, Jared stated that he bought a copy of Contempt and has now seen it enough times that he will never watch it again. I guess that is that uh, this will mostly be for Jared since it seems that RJ's collection is a pile of stolen goods from Jay Duncan's collection. <laughs> I was thinking, Only some of it. I was thinking, now that you no longer have any use for it, what becomes the purpose of keeping it and letting it continue to take up much of that pricey square feet of home space? Just for mm-hmm. collection, won't it lessen the value of any individual film if its only purpose is to be prized as part of a never-ending collection of virtually untouched items, having only been popped in the player once in the collector's lifetime? Anyways, it's just That's a, a thought point. that crossed my brain while listening, and I was wondering what your opinions would be about this. Um, 
What's yeah. your opinion, Jarrett? Yeah, it's uh, what happens to things that remain unwatched. Now, there's an element of my collecting is kind of feeling like I live in a isolated geographically area where mm. these films aren't available. Like if I got rid of my contempt and say mm-hmm. some unforeseen thing comes up in 10 years and someone's like, hey, j Dog." We want you to write something on John Luke Godard, and I'm like, oh, who, exactly. Who I know this is just like a this is like a talking out loud thing, and I'm okay. like, and I got rid of my contempt, and now I'm like, fuck. Now I have to get a goddamn contempt again, and now I have to go track mm-hmm. it down, and it's a pain in the ass. I already have it. I understand. If I get rid of contempt, what's the point? Like, I might as well just have it because uh, the square footage. I mean, I have I have a house now. I have I have oh. I, I have plenty of space. Space is no longer a great premium. And um at this point it's like I can afford to keep all sorts of shit. Uh regardless of if I'll watch it ever again. So it's a luxury. It is absolutely mm. all all of this. That you folks listening to podcasts, collecting mm. movies, spending like thirty hours a week watching movies. It's a luxury. This is something that not everyone has. Some people think we're fucking out of our minds. Uh, they just don't. They don't understand. How can you even find mm-hmm. time to watch one movie a week? And here we are. And sometimes we ask ourselves that. That's true, actually. Uh, I a lot of people sometimes I don't talk about the podcast unless someone else brings it up. But sometimes people are like, "You watch a movie a week?" It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like I don't tell them about trauma. Where it's like, yeah, one week I watched like twenty eight movies, but. Uh, you know, whatever. But uh, there are there are some weeks like we've mentioned before. There's some weeks for both of us where you're just like, holy fuck, we got a lot going on. And then you can't watch one that week. But I don't understand the people who like just normally it's like, I can't watch a movie this week. Unless like, I mean, maybe you got like eight kids or something. But uh, and then your free time you use to maybe just, you know, relax. Yeah. But uh, some people relax with a movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Jerry? How do you relax? Tell me about tell me about your relaxation strategy. I listen to wrestling podcasts. Fuck, that's weird. Weird. That's bad, man. <laughs> and okay, uh, wait, get something better. And okay, <laughs> what are your relaxation uh, strategies, Jarrett? I listen to music. You don't listen to music. I do. I can confirm that. I have this guy a, doesn't listen to music. You I have guys. a massive collection of music. Yeah, he's never listened to a single piece of it though. <laughs> Not a one. Yeah, massive collection of. Uh, Shit. I've begun to wind down, Frank continues, in my collecting oh. habits, partially because I realize that I've still got a chunk of movies that I've only ever seen once or never seen at all. Another part is that wanting to be a filmmaker, I've thought about following in the footsteps of past directors who continuously rewatch their favorite films in theaters because one, no physical or digital media at the time of their prime movie watching period, and two, it's how things really stick to you and you can d- dissect why a film works in your head, or at least that's what they say. I own around a meager 700 films, but a part of my collection is on digital, saving me a few crevices of room. I think I remember a fellow fan of the show complaining about having to move all their collection to another city, and I've begun to worry about my continental relocation, which is another reason to cut down and go digital. Speaking of continents, how often do you Mm -hmm. buy Blu-rays or DVDs from across the world? I don't own a region-free player, so my options are limited, thank God. But I was wondering if you guys buy from different region codes or only region-free, or if you order films released in other countries. Sorry this email got so long. I guess I'm making up for the last few episodes I missed. Have a good one, creeps. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, uh, always nice yeah, to hear. Yeah, I try to limit my uh, international DVD Blu-ray purchases uh, mm-hmm. to 
like very few, unless there's no other way to get a copy. And I absolutely love the movie just because if I like, there's like I was saying, I feel like I'm an archivist and collector of this stuff. And for me, it's not like I want to collect this because it's going to be worth money. It's like, no, it's because, you know, say an RJ, for instance, is like, Hey, a what? A, a, an RJ, uh, oh. you know, a reprobate, a person uh. shiftless, uh, Jared. jobless, is like, oh, I want to borrow uh, a movie. And I'll be like, well, my friend, my good close personal mm, friend, colleague, mm. co-host, let me hook you up. And then I can pull it off my shelf and lend it out. The problem with, with a uh, non-region free version, so it's like a region blocked thing, is like, well, it requires him and anyone else I'd lend it to to have a player that can do that. And a lot of people don't have those still. So it kind of like, it makes it so it's completely for myself. And I'm like, well... I'll just wait. I've got a few. I've got some British TV shows that are only available on DVD. Region B on a junky player that I've got that doesn't work with my new TV. It's very frustrating, very annoying, but them's the breaks. Yeah, them's the breaks, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't that's, have anything like that. Yeah, that's why you still I don't, I don't buy movies. And because of things like that, that's why you still haven't seen The Shout. The what? The movie The Shout. It's an awesome movie, and you can't watch it because it's only Region B. Is it a good show, though? It's awesome. Are you sure? Yeah. John Hurt. Mm, okay. David Bates or something like that. Yeah, that movie's great. All right. Alan Bates. If you, if you say yeah. so. No, I don't. Uh, I have no say in this matter. No, I don't no. uh, buy this, this porn. Is, that was a Jared question. Oh, well, you don't know that. Mm-hmm. I do know you, that. You don't, you don't know that, man. I, I know I know that you only buy things on Amazon. So That's true. Well, yeah. Amazon has uh, like out of region dvds on there you gotta be careful sometimes yeah you gotta, yeah, they have the you, big gotta you always gotta check yeah for the rjs you always gotta check i ain't gonna buy I that mean, if, shit. There's, if there's anybody in this world who's gonna buy the wrong format region code of movie it's you it's yeah i've been i've been duped many times mm-hmm. you got sucker right across your face mm, mark mm-hmm. rj yes what you been creeping on this week well jared i don't know i guess that's the show hey I guess so. Uh, I just watched a lot of TV movies. Like Father Figures? No, that's a real movie. Well, actually, the TV is uh, a lot better of a more real movies than uh, this fucking thing, Father Figures. Okay. So this is a movie that was on Crave, and Andrew's like, pop that son of a bitch on, and uh, let's see what's see? going on look, on this thing. Look, look. What, what, what are you doing here with your life? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I was gonna tell you about the TV movies that were actually good, uh, not this uh, this fucking thing. All no, right, no, I'll tell no, you about no, Father no, Figures. Nothing makes me just go hmm when I see one star Andy picks, mm. and I hear Blade Runner sucks, and I go, man, oh man. Blade Runner. Who who said Blade Runner sucks? <laughs> Your fiance. Oh right, uh, she actually didn't really watch this movie. She she mostly like was on her phone the whole time, so she she was kind of just like that looks like uh, something I don't have to pay attention to. Throw it on. This is like the weirdest fucking movie, Jarrett. So it's got piece of shit Ed Helms. I can't fucking stand Ed Helms. He bothers me so much, so much. He's playing the twin of your buddy Owen Wilson. Do you think that they uh, make good twins? No, <laughs> not at all. Well, here's one good piece of uh, good casting is uh, the mother is Glenn Close. Glenn Close and Owen Wilson uh, play believable mother and uh, son, I would say. Okay. So uh, their mom is Glenn Close. 
uh, their mom gets remarried to like Harry Shearer or someone like that guy who voices all the Simpsons characters. Yep. Uh, and then they've never known their dad. Owen Wilson got rich because he is the uh, the model for a brand of barbecue sauce from Hawaii. He's like a surfer dude, and he got rich from royalties for being their image. And uh, Ed Helms is a proctologist, and he doesn't really like his job. So they've never never known their dad. And then uh, all he ever had was a picture. And Ed Helms is watching TV one day, and he finds he sees the guy who was supposed to be his dad, and he's like, "Hey, what's this about?" He's like, it's our dad. And she's like, no, that's just a picture I gave you. I don't really even know that guy. She's like, I didn't want to tell you who your dad was. It was uh, this person. And uh, you know who? She, what name she just picks out of a hat, Jarrett? Former Pittsburgh Steelers all a Hall of Fame quarterback, Terry Bradshaw. So it's like, hey, your dad's Terry Bradshaw. Why don't you go find him? So they go on a road trip, and they go to Terry Bradshaw's house. Uh, and someone wrote this, Jarrett, into a screenplay literal actual human being terry bradshaw playing himself <laughs> yeah it's like hey that's your dad go find him so they go there and uh terry bradshaw welcomes them he's a very nice guy vin rames shows up for a minute to uh talk very sexually about glenn close this movie has one of those things where it's like wherever they're like hey do you know like sarah pill or whatever and uh they're like yeah, man, Sarah, Sarah, ooh, she was stroking them balls like you never seen. She was lapping up all that mangrave. Like, this, these are actual di- lines of dialogue in this movie. That's did what you, Ben Rames talks did, about. Did you write this? No, I would have I uh, made it a little bit dirtier. Okay. But uh, so they're like, this is one of those movies where everyone's like, ooh, that girl really knew how to handle some balls. And they're like, how do you know her? And they'd be like, oh, it's my mom. And it's like that awkward joke. Hmm. So they meet Terry Bradshaw. They find out it can't be him. So they go to the next guy. It's uh, J.K. Simmons, Oscar Award winner of Whiplash. Uh, he plays a, a con man, and uh, they think he's their dad. Turns out it can't be him. So they go to the next place. Uh, they meet Cat Williams on the way. Uh, he plays God in this movie. So they find God, and he steers them on the right track. Oh, this sounds then- awful. Then they go to a guy who's dead, uh, but the night before, Ed Helms got his courage and he had a one-night stand. And then they find the guy who they think is their father, and giving the eulogy is the lady that he had the one-night stand with. So it go- goes in that direction. Turns out it's not him. And then they they go back to the last father figure, Jarrett. A uh, very visibly unwell Christopher Walken. He looks real old in this movie. Very old very old playing a vet uh and there's some uh some some animal cruelty uh at the back end of this thing just to throw it all in so uh this movie was fucking horrible Jarrett. very bad very bad available on netflix you say crave crave ah good old crave mm-hmm. crave my man nice crave, I, yeah I, I have no opportunity to watch this sadly good damn good okay so that movie is bad so I watched Nathan for you finding Francis. Ah, uh, yes. And you, fi- you finally caught up with. I caught up with the uh, well, letterbox two years ago. Well, Jarrett, when you watched this, had you had, had you seen all four seasons of Nathan for you before prior to watching this TV movie? Nope. Okay, well I had. So uh, I've been catching up on my own time. This is on Crave, and uh, this is like 
uh, one of the last episodes in season four. So uh, in the last couple months, I've watched four seasons of Nathan for you. And uh, I think that your initial uh, play on this was, um, I think you downplayed it. I think you were a little wrong. I think Nathan Fielder's very funny. No. I'm on board with him. Yeah, I think I think going into this cold, not seeing anything else, you might not, not I wouldn't say appreciate some of the stuff, but there's a lot of like, he has a lot of jokes that build on other jokes that he does all the time. And I think when you just drop in on one here or there, you might miss that. And it's nothing huge, but uh, there he does have a lot of reoccurring characters uh, that pop up a lot, like the Microsoft guy, who is the center focus of this entire right piece. Um, so, anyways, I watched this Finding Francis, and uh, I liked it quite a bit. But I, I'm a fan of his show too. Uh, Andrea refuses to watch this with me because it makes her very uncomfortable, very <laughs> uncomfortable. Like uh, I, I, I started watching it. I was like, I think you would like this. And then we were watching it. And I think it was like 10 minutes into one episode. She's like, I don't like this. She's like, it's so mean what he does to them. And I was like, well, uh, it's just what, it's just what he does, I guess. It's kind of like in Finding Francis, he befriends that, uh, that prostitute. And uh, she says the same thing. She's like, it's kind of mean what you do. But. Uh, oh, fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. That's the side like quest that. to yeah, this movie. I didn't care about this thing. Have you watched any other Nathan for you though? Any just episodes? like not any actual episodes. I've seen bits and pieces, like when it was like the novelty thing, and everyone was talking about how great it was. And then I'd watch it, and I'd go, "Why do people care about this? Like more than other things?" And then I just would move on with my life. And then it would pop up again. All these people like that, that I follow, they're all very excited about it. And I was just always like, "Oh, yeah, I, I don't care." That's like that's how I am with most TV shows and like comedy. I get, we've talked about endlessly. It's yep. I very uh, hit and miss. Yep. Some some people love fishing with John, and some people absolutely are wrong. abhor it. And some people are wrong. Uh, yeah, I think this fits in that fishing with John uh, category yeah. where I could see a lot of people not being into Nathan for you, but uh, there's not like any specific episodes that I would like point out. Um, other than like more than others. Uh, I, I actually just like, like there are certain jokes that he builds up a lot and I think it's really funny. Like in one of the first episodes, he has a, uh, a like a mall Santa guy who's looking for work. And, uh, in that episode there's, it's edited in such a way where it cuts his scene where he's showing him like his huge, uh, gun. And he's like, he's like, so I knew that he, uh, he could take care of business or something. And then like, he brings back these people all the time. And then like two seasons later, they'll have the mall Santa on again and they'll replay that footage of him showing him his huge gun. He's like, that's why I chose him for this. And, uh, even that it's, there's some guys like, I know what he does is mean, but a lot of these guys, he like continues to give work to like the, uh, in finding Francis, there's the, uh, the age, um, the guy who like ages people, and it's just like the worst shit you ever seen. But even he he pays them to come back and do it all the time. I guess there's an element of like <clears throat> like so Tim and Eric, they kind of did this sure. thing too where they get these like Los Angeles wackos mm-hmm. to do stuff for them and they kind of incorporate them into the Tim and Eric universe. Mm-hmm. And like uh what's his name? Mr. Mr. Spaghetti Meatballs, James something. Um, what? 
Oh, you've seen Tim and Eric, right? Yeah, but I haven't seen all of them. I've seen oh, parts of Tim and Eric. Yeah, that's the thing. People, you probably watch YouTube clips, but you haven't watched. You haven't really experienced the seasons. No, I saw it when it was on air. Actually, I just only watched a couple of it. Oh. I thought it was fine. I was, uh, you know, I was like, so, all right. so they, yeah, they kind of have this thing though. You're like wondering, like, are they exploiting these poor bastard like people yeah. who want to be actors because they're like strange looking and they they're not yeah. actually that good. But then they have like they're interested with like real actors and like real comedians who are all having fun. And then like amongst them, you have these poor. people people who are like oh i feel like with like the nathan for you for you stuff it's like he wants to be their friends and it's like i don't know if it's genuine like well, it, so I, it feels here, like here's he, the he'll, thing he'll do this like no i do i really want to be your friend it's like oh i i don't, I don't feel like i don't know if the the, the is that what all these actors do because actors at the end of the day are horrible human beings like i don't know if you can trust I any of them i think there's more to it because i think that is like that's that seems like the most that seems like the most obvious or like the most realistic answer is that yeah he's just like hucking it up or yucking it up for the show but like apparently he's been interviewed before and like maybe he's just like that committed to the role that he doesn't break character ever but he like a lot of the time he's he's mentioned how he he doesn't understand the negative response to the show and he because he he holds he's like no this is he's like I'm doing He's like, I'm doing good stuff. He's like, I'm helping these people. And everyone's like, you're not helping these people. It's like, your ideas are horrible. He's like, he's like, they got, he's like, it helped them. Look, it's, pro- it's fine. So, and like, he doesn't understand that. Or he said something like, he's surprised that people find that he comes off as off-putting. And he's like, I don't know why people don't like me. So I think he might be on some sort of spectrum, Jared, where his like, <laughs> his social cues are like. He's got the, he's got a bit of a gaze to him. Yeah, I think I think that's it more than anything else is he has a he has some issues with uh, interpreting social situations. Don't we all though? Yeah. Hey, you know who doesn't interpret social systems very well? The Russians. <laughs> you want to hear about sweaty <laughs> what, what, naked what, Russians? What, what a what a throw. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, that's true because so I watched Chernobyl by HBO, and uh, <laughs> I don't good, know if you yeah, by HBO himself by <laughs> HBO uh, Horace Benjamin uh, Osman Osman. Um, I don't know if you heard this, Jared, but uh, the Russians are not a fan of the show. Hmm. The real Russians. Oh, like Putin? The, yeah, they don't like. They're making their own Chernobyl this year. Oh, now that yeah. this came out, fuck yeah. So uh, there and like the the entire like point of this show is like the reason Chernobyl happened and like the aftermath was about like the arrogance or like not even arrogance, but like Russia's number one goal being like to be perceived as the superpower, even though they weren't. They were like cutting corners on everything and they, they weren't good at stuff. But it was like the perception that they were the number one force in the world. That's like what this whole show is about. And it seems like more or less accurate. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. This guy seems to have done more research than I did. I'll take his word word for it. <laughs> He's this, yeah. Horace is like he did his research. Yeah, it's it seems fine. So uh, I watched this Chernobyl. It's real hot right now. By the way, have you heard that? Is like, is it nuclear hot? It's nuclear, baby. Bo- body melts. Nuclear. Yeah, there's this movie has body melts. P- people with no faces. Uh, they, the face is still there. There's just no skin or muscle. Okay. 
yeah, this movie has uh, body melts, which is really cool. It's got a scene you will love, which is just like 50 to 60 sweaty, naked Russian men just walking around coal mining. Mm-hmm. So you'll love that. Okay. Um, what else does this thing have? Uh, political drama. It's got Jared Harris. Oh. It's got Stellan Skarsgård. Oh. It's got Emily Watson. Mm. It's got them all, baby. Wow. So it starts off and uh, it's Chernobyl exploding. And then uh, the next, like, it's five episodes. I think the next three episodes, or every episode after is the aftermath of, like, what happened. How bad uh, is it? It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> bad, man. But uh, I think the thing is, like, the fr- or like the thing that's upsetting or frustrating with this is, like, the stubborn ignorance of the people involved with it. Because, like, the entire first two episodes are about how, like, Russia completely chose to like not acknowledge that there was a problem at all where it's like nothing happened and they're like no that whole power plant fucking exploded and they're like no it didn't (laughs) and it's like we can see it and it's like people are melting because of this no they're not and then it's like they're like we won't tell anyone okay and then the news it's like then uh foreign or like foreign countries and like like people like in the states are like hey we can see like this nuclear smoke coming uh coming off uh it's uh it just blew into west germany there's a real problem here you guys hey, and bud. they're like uh-oh <laughs> hey bud let me tell you there's uh this uh nuclear fallout radiation waste uh, business it's uh blowing around the world and uh it, we got a problem with it oh uh, it's good jared yeah i've heard Chernobyl's real good i know i've got it's, it uh i've got it lined up, up. on my uh craved account i don't have i was gonna say when did you get crave <laughs> uh I, i've got my russian bots hacking uh nice. your account so i will have craved soon yeah so uh it's it's very good um you see all sides of it where it's like the government sides the people like on the ground i think that's the strongest aspect to this and i don't think like that's groundbreaking news or anything like the, the coolest part about or the best part about this whole show is seeing like uh, all the people who were actually working at Chernobyl to try to fix it. So like you have the first responders who went there and then they all, they all body melted because they were exposed to like the, the brunt of the, uh, or the, like the full force of radiation. Mm-hmm. Then you have the scientists like trying to clean it up. And then you have the crews going in to like work at it and like all, all the stuff that like went into it. That's just kind of like public knowledge now. So you have like uh, the mining crew that went in because they had to mine underneath because it was like melting through. So they had to go underneath and then come out. And then you had like the people who worked in the factory that had to scuba dive in to um, release the valves manually because they couldn't be done elsewise. Uh, And then it's like all this stuff. It's like if these things didn't happen, like what would have happened was the entire like country of Russia and European countries would have been like unhappy habitable for like i think it's like ten thousand years or something so it's like even though it was horrible the weight what they went in to do to like make it so it wasn't even worse for the entire world uh (laughs) is like pretty fucking crazy and like they they do they kind of they don't downplay it but the they don't emphasize as much where like every time that people are like is this safe and they're like not really you're gonna die and the people are like okay but I think like those people downplay that everyone who went in there like knew full well. It's like, I'm going to die now. 
So, okay. And like they do, it's not like it's not mentioned at all. Everyone gets the same thing. It's like, just so you know, once you go in here, even with all the protection, you got about five years now and you'll die. And they're like, okay. You want to hear something wild? What? So I was just thinking, like you're describing this, and I was like, you know what they would be like, a, like would make a good documentary miniseries, or not documentary, but like a little miniseries, TV miniseries, uh, making it one based on the book, The Hot Zone, which is about the Ebola, uh, the Ebola breakout. And Isn't I, it? Being well, uh, I just looked it up, and sure enough, uh, like just like a week ago, uh, there was a six episode miniseries based on the Hot Zone book released, like at the end of May. No one talks about it's it. It's already out? It came out. Oh, it must not be good. Yeah. The fact, well, or everyone's just like all up on uh, one mm. show and that's how the conversation goes. Apparently it's done though. Yeah. It's a National Geographic. Uh, our friend Ridley Scott was an executive producer on it. Uh, directed by co- co-directors Michael Uppendahl, who's worked on Mad Men, uh, shot some American Horror Story, worked on Marvel's Legion and Fox's Glee. So he's a good old TV hand. And Nick Murphy, Nick Murphy worked uh, on The Awakening American. and Blood. What about Blood? That's what he worked on. A bunch of stuff that no one cares about. So, yeah, maybe it didn't work out, which is too bad because The Hot Zone, if uh, handled well, could be pretty some grade A horror show stuff. So it must have been on like actual primetime television because I just checked. No, well, uh, it's national, whatever the National Geographic channel is. Ah, like, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I just checked my app about streaming services, and it's not even on there. Yeah. So, so no one's no one's seen it, and it could be who mm-hmm. knows. It could be great. It's probably not. But it's got in my mind, in maybe uh, Horace needs to turn his eye on to that. That would be really cool. No, they did a great job with Chernobyl. Uh, they they definitely like show a lot of the. Uh, I think the things that people don't really consider when thinking about the aftermath of like a nuclear explosion and radiation and stuff like that yeah. like um the one the stuff that i really liked was showing how for like the 200 kilometer radius where they're they're like plowing the earth and stuff because they have to dig down like 10 kilometers to and like basically they they like the way they say it they're like we got to flip the earth over and then and then in like 100 years maybe it'll be okay nice. it's like but that's all that's it's like that's the only option we have and Turn then uh, the earth over yeah, basically. Um, well, well, no. So they're like, we got to dig down like ten kilometers and like just kind of pile it on top of itself, uh, and then it's like because it's like you flip it over, so like the most radiated part is like lower down, and then it can like start to. There's been some good stories that have been coming out, like of like, hey, did you know? And uh, fun things yeah. like like I think the U.S. government is changing some regulations about how how deep you have to bury nuclear waste. They're trying to change it so it can be not as deep, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some other story that like I think a couple atom bombs were accidentally dropped on North Carolina. Uh, yeah, like a couple decades ago, and they just didn't go off. <laughs> like they just like oh oh good didn't. so that's good um yep. yeah there's all sorts of fun, fun things about near misses that have been unearthed because people just don't remember things mm-hmm. and uh, talking points we're like yeah things happen all the time like that guy in the helicopter who crashed into like a 
building in New York, no one's ever going to remember that outside of his like family and people who mm-hmm. maybe saw it firsthand. It's just going to be gone. And it'll be like, oh, that happened. I, I saw it was like the anniversary of like the Killdozer guy who mm-hmm. like built his own. The like, Billdozer? The Killdozer or whatever oh, it was. not from yeah. King of the Hill? No. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, he that, people were like, what? I never heard of this. I'm like, oh, that's like old hat. But mm-hmm. it's, it's always something is always new to somebody out there. There's always something, Jarrett, for someone. Like some people probably don't even realize that Chernobyl was a real thing. Uh, actually, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, your buddy Barry Keoghan from uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, yep. the main uh, antagonist, he's in this in like the worst episode of this, episode four, which I actually fast-forwarded a, a bit of because it's the kill squads for all the animals left over mm. in, uh, in the surrounding areas. And there's there's a great emphasis put on how um, they're domesticated animals, so they'll come to you at first. But once you start shooting, they'll run away. So we really have to kind of spend the whole day there going around wiping them out. And it's like, I, I get it, but uh, because they're like, well, they're radiated. We can't let them populate. And it's like, well, maybe we should just turn the guns on ourselves. <laughs> the entire civilization, the entire human race. Well, we're pretty good. At, we're getting there. We're getting there, yeah. Yep. Just end it, Jarrett. So uh, I fast-forwarded <laughs> episode four quite a bit, but uh, yeah, Chernobyl's, uh, it's good. It's its good. Real good. Cool. That's all I watched, dude. Wow. Did you watch any movies? Yeah, I watched a few. Well, um, so I, we've been talking, RJ, in real life. Yes. Off podcast. Uh, yes. About like what I should do next. And mm-hmm. you've been really pushing, Jarrett, you should rewatch movies. You should watch yep. a bunch of, you should spend a whole month just rewatching movies that you haven't seen for mm-hmm. a long time. I don't know what your like goal is there. Is it to alleviate like some guilt that you have about things that you've done in your life? I no, my I only goal as mentioned in the uh, email before, it, we were talking about that rating fatigue and uh, you just honestly you just sounded really bummed out about watching movies and watch doing stuff on Letterboxd. You're like I might get rid of Letterboxd. And you're like, I, I don't like this anymore. And I was like, I was like, well, I guess that's that's that then. Dude's not watching movies, so I was like, maybe maybe <laughs> how, go back how, and watch. How serious was I though? I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe I sounded more despondent than uh, you. I felt. You did, but I, I think, so I think my it's point was, like, why don't you just go watch the stuff that you know you like, and then see why you like or why you did like movies? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I so I did that, RJ. I kind of uh, went looked. How did my, that go? Uh, went well. I like nice. I, I do like movies. There's good movies that exist out there that yeah, aren't. Is I know. I, part of it was like seeing like the response to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people really taking hot dumps on that movie that I thought was like I didn't even want to. I don't even want to rate it because I'm like, well, I don't know. It's a it's a Godzilla movie. Um, I've seen them all, and yep. this is not one of the worst. It's not one of the best. Uh, the, the it's got like some five star effects that look incredible, but it's also got like some real garbage disaster movie human stuff that is like it, if a movie if this was not a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. I would hate it. But yep. uh, it's Godzilla, so mm-hmm. it, I don't know where I Godzilla. So I, better, I was yep. I was frustrated by this. And I'm like, how do I feel about these things? So I was like, I'm gonna watch some comfort food things I haven't watched since the letterboxd era so <gasps> whoa movies marked as watch things i've like i blindly gave five stars because curious mm-hmm. how do these hold up and like i watched a lot of movies i can't mm-hmm. spend enough time talking about them so we'll cut to the chase on some of these things so i watched sure. i shot andy warhol which is a movie that i lent you several years ago 
I would say just so people know, a lot of these movies, uh, Jarrett lent to me during my um, my bedridden days when I was literally in bed for three months out of due to illness. Uh, and then it was Jarrett's uh, his way of being like, I wonder if this guy knows what a movie is. I wonder if I should start a podcast with this guy. But uh, they weren't all certified bangers on my part. But uh, I did appreciate <laughs> the sentiment yeah. nonetheless. But yeah, so I rewatched I Shot Andy Warhol, which uh-huh. uh, we talked about a few weeks ago when talking about uh, yep. lady directors. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one's Mary Heron. This mm-hmm. was her first movie. And I hadn't seen it for a long time. Watched it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's still a pretty, it's very much like a 90s biopic. And it seems like yeah. 90s biopics all have this similar vibe. And I, I would like to figure out what movie nailed the formula and everyone copied it over and over and over again ever since. Because this one's got those kind of uh, trappings and you're like, well, it's a movie at the end of the day. No one should be watching any one particular movie to uh, hold up as a like artifact of historical accuracy. Where they're like, sure. yes, this is what happened. It's like, no, these are all actors and they're trying to make like communicate the most like, I guess, uh, ideal version of those events to make a, mm-hmm. a, a movie that people will want to watch. But this is a movie that's like about... Uh, Valerie Solanus, this woman who mm-hmm. uh, eventually be- got into such a like psychological like depth where she like I'm, I have to sh- shoot and kill Andy Warhol because he's him and other men are conspiring to like subjugate my work, my mm. feminist manifesto, the scum manifesto, and and surprise spoilers she shoots mm-hmm. Andy Warhol played by Jared Harris. I was gonna say, did you realize that Jared Harris is in this? But even I more did. than that. Did you realize that Stephen Dorff I is know. in this movie? I know. Another a man that was recently talked about. I was like, what mo- name another movie of Stephen Dorff playing G- Candy. Still, can you name any other movie with Stephen Dorff? Dorff? Uh, exactly. He, was he in that movie with Cuba Gooding Jr.? Which one? Like with, uh, look it Blade? up. Blade? No, look it up. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'll look. You keep talking yeah. about that stuff. Was it like, no, that's Skeet Ste- Ulrich, I think. Yeah, don't confuse Steven Dorff with uh, Skeet Ulrich. They're kind of the, the Iceman. <laughs> They're kind of the same. I don't know. I'm trying to like th- these people all like are just interchangeable in my brain. Looking at th- thinking of these movie posters. He's in a movie with Val Kilmer called Felon. Speaking of dudes in slums, what happened to Val Kilmer? Well, he got sick. Oh, that's true. Actually, yeah. yeah. So I showed Andy Warhol. Um, it's not that perfect movie by any means. It's, it's sort good, of uh, it's it, it's a very like I enjoy I really enjoy watching the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots lots of like familiar faces. Jeremy, not Jeremy Piven. Oh, Justin Theroux shows oh up in here. Who's a guy who I'm always like, oh hey, he's not in enough things. He's always great. Um, I saw him recently. Stanley Tucci is in here as a yeah. man who paying women to les out while he masturbates that's oh jared style we got a spider chris from sopranos uh talking about how he will teach you how to eat an asshole did did you learn we got we have paul morrissey oh just gonna ignore that okay who uh director of um blood for dracula yes and flesh for frankenstein future director of those we have like not him but like a guy playing him so that's cool neat is Roloff Benny in this movie represented? <laughs> Ro- Roloff Benny uh, does not make an appearance here. Oh, well, Sad. people can look him up on their and, own. And account. we got uh, F- F- uh, Lily Taylor, uh, who you'll be seeing mm-hmm. if you haven't already seen in your rewatch of Six Feet Under. 
not a rewatch, first time. First watch. time watch, yeah. You're and uh, that's that's what I mentioned. Uh, Justin Thoreau is in Six Feet Under as well for six episodes. Uh, I'll tell you about it, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but Six Feet Under is an unofficial sequel to Can't Hardly Wait, the movie that I would give five stars. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you about that next week, probably when I finish. Are you going to finish Six Feet Under? Uh, we are moving. We are halfway through season four, and then there's just season five left. Oh shit! So pretty soon. Oh man, Pretty RJ. We're, oh man, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be really curious to uh, talk to you when it's done. Okay, well, we'll yeah. talk about it on the podcast since I'm watching TV now, not yeah. movies. Yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna cry like a bitch. I don't think I would, but maybe I will. Oh, RJ, Team Ruth. Oh man, Woo. you'll see. So. Mm-hmm. Next, so I shot one here. Pretty good, not like amazing, but it's a movie that I would have like. in my a pantheon of movies. I'd be like, yeah, I I tell people to watch this. Sure, learn cool. learn about something you didn't know about, and it's actually mm-hmm. got uh, some really good the natural scenes of characters just kind of talking amongst themselves, and it's like not yeah. like this feels like scripted movie stuff. It feels like oh no, these people are living in the factory and they're just having conversations, like banal, boring conversations about like invoices and it works really well Th- those scenes i don't know if they'd make it to cut anymore or they'd bring attention to themselves saying look we're like writing a screenplay where people are just talking about invoices like an aaron sorkin <laughs> biopic on steve Ooh. jobs don't you just love aaron sorkin social network mm, baby Dude, one day i'd rewatch that hey rj yep. i yep. watched gummo again and uh, mm-hmm. and that's that, mm-hmm. eh? I so movie. And I I have not seen Gummo in a long time. I love Gummo. I it, I moving think it's, right along. But I like I uh, <laughs> knowing you now, and when I, at the time probably when I lent that movie to you, yeah. I, I did not recall the number of cat corpses that are uh, in that film. And uh, yeah, flies, an astonishing amount. <laughs> Where it's like it, it is. Amount. It is a focal point to a degree. Where it's like the, the your protagonists, your two young boys, are mm-hmm. like riding around the the rural Ohio of Xenia, uh, and they're picking up, trapping, killing cats to sell to a local grocery store, who is then turning around and selling them to a Chinese food restaurant. I fucking uh, mm-hmm. those scenes of these kids riding around are so wicked. I love them. But then there's these scenes with cats. Bad show. I was watching this movie with my cat laying on me. Un- unbeknownst to him, watching his uh, people kind, his his kin being slaughtered, <laughs> drowned, and shot with BB guns. Uh-huh. Uh huh. but it's such so, a, such an awesome movie, RJ. I love. Do you it. understand? Well, you you understand my point here on this movie, correct? Uh, I, I have no idea what your point is on this movie. It sucks. No, it's all, it's a, it, it's it is like so many like amazing moments that are mm-hmm. just like uh, so unique to it that like no one else can capture. It's so well photographed. Uh, the use of music is great. The pacing of it's great. The vignettes flow really well. So memorable, uh, a true American original. Uh, unfortunately, for some, marred with constant depiction of dead cats. Unfortunately, cats in garbage bags. Uh huh. <laughs> it's unfortunate that those things are in it because then it'd be like an easy recommend. But uh, unfortunately, for some, that that will be uh, a line too far crossed. Tell me about a good movie that you watched. I watched American Movie. That's a good movie. 
oh my god, American movie holds up so well. You watch like documentaries. You watch the like the era that we live in, the Netflix mm-hmm. documentary that just suck. Like they're so boilerplate, predictable. Mm-hmm. They tell the story the exact same way, the same types of stories over and over again. American movie. The fact that like Chris Smith got involved with Mark Borchard when he did, the way he mm-hmm. makes it look, like even if it's like calculated and like I'll, there's like some weird weight. And now watching this movie, I haven't watched this movie since I was in my like early 20s. And so watching this, Mark Borchardt seemed like a 40 year old man. Mm-hmm. Watching American movie now, I'm older than He's Mark Borchardt. He's 30. Like and he was mm-hmm. like trying to like turn his life around in uh, the great state of Milwaukee. Go mm-hmm. green, go Green Bay Packers. And go cheese at day. Yeah, go oh, watching this now. It's like, oh, there's like, if there's things about life that I know about now that I didn't know then. And I mean, I'm far more familiar with like lo fi, like horror filmmaking and regional horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen all these films and now I, I can watch uh, uh, Coven, <laughs> Coven, Coven, Coven. Yeah, and how was that? Uh, not good. Coven's not good. So I'll just interject for a second. American movie is awesome. But I don't know if you know this, Jared. It is fucking like impossible to find. What? I can't find it anywhere. The stream or to buy? To buy. Well, just look like look on Amazon. How much is it on Amazon? You find it on Amazon and you let me know. Type in American movie. DVD. Uh-huh. Do it. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a total chud. American movie. Here, I'll, t- I'll just read out to you the first six results an american tale two movie family pack american pie four movie collection american pie complete eight movie collection american sniper american maid american girl american graffiti american psycho oh do you suggest typing in american movie 1999 i've tried that also let's have a look american pie complete american pie american pie the iron giant American History X, Notting Hill, American Beauty, The Green Mile. And then, like, you, you can even type in documentary, American Movie Documentary 1999. Return with Honor with Tom Hanks. Sondheim, A Celebration at Carnegie Hall. American Classics, Old School. American Masters, Alfred Stieglitz, about, The Eloquent Have you tried, uh, you know, American Movie Chris Smith? Chris Smith, he says. Yeah. American Graffiti. American Graffiti DVD. Bone Pine in the movies and a vision of the American West. The Girl of Venice. Hallelujah. Remembering Tom Cora. Daddy Sing Good Night. What is that? (laughs) Sounds like uh, my kind of picture. And then American Flatulators. It looks like a play on American gladula- uh, Gladiators, but with a toilet. I'm going to look into that a little bit more, actually. Yeah, I think you have looked into that one before. Don't American go, don't Flatulators? Go. Yeah. It looks good. Uh, so anyways, you can keep talking about American movie. I just wanted to express my displeasure to you. that uh, this I literally like... typed it into Amazon.com, American uh-huh. Movie Christmas, and is the first thing that comes dot up. .com, not .ca. I can't buy on .com. You could. It's not impossible to find, RJ. You can't buy on .com, Jared. Used from 2462. Well, try the Canadian Amazon, of which we then, live. Then don't. 
Well, I, I can't buy on the American one. I don't have a, an American P.O. box to send stuff like, to like you do. Well, find one that'll ship to internationally and just pony up. And what, uh, pay like $100 for that? Are you a Canadian or a Canadian can't? Mm. That, that doesn't work. Mm. So American movie, though, works. So Yeah, well. that movie is awesome. Yeah, so quotable, uh, mm-hmm. so genuine, funny, sad, desperate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Baby, all the cliches you can throw at this this picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the uninitiated, it follows the adventures of aspiring filmmaker Mark Borchard, who has sadly made a single film since uh, the film being made here. Mm-hmm. And it was like something about like a bunch of UFO enthusiasts getting together in Milwaukee, Ooh. and that's that it. Good. He's never made anything. He never made enough. He never makes Northwestern. Mm. But it's him, Mike Shank, his good, trusted friend, just trying to make a movie, God damn it. And, yeah, those trials and tribulations. Like, ah, this is such a, such a great film. Yeah, uh, American Movie is awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I would like to watch it again. That's why I was trying to look up where to buy it, because I was like, that's a good enough movie to buy. Mm-hmm. And then when I looked it up, I couldn't find it, and now you're hearing about it. That there's an owner right there. Mm-hmm. Owning what? Poems. Oh, you mean? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I see. Next up, Midnight Cowboy. Future Criterion Ooh. Creep. Hundreds now, well, of years from now. Don't spoil your opinion on that. Uh, well, I can because <laughs> I think it's pretty well documented. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Also wonderful. It's one of those. I, I can't actually believe this movie is goddamn 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the very day that we're recording, uh, one of the actresses in this movie died. Uh, at 94 what years you old. Did, you and, jerk. In this movie in 1969, I thought this was like, this woman was like long dead. And then I was watching the special features and then there she was alive. And I'm like, Jesus, this disc is like, this special feature is probably like 20 years old. And was she, it M. Was Emmett like, Walsh? No. And she was like 74, probably there. And now she's 94 and now she's dead. Mm. I was like, what the was fuck? It, I killed, I, I can't believe it. I killed someone again. Yeah. You've killed a lot of people. God damn it. Podcast. You're bad, dude. Watching movies, it's dangerous business. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah. So you got that John Voight before he turned into a <sighs> loathsome human being. Allegedly. Uh, oh, no, him. wait. That's pretty been No, pretty much he, been he, he, he's a bad dude. Bad opinions. Mm. Bad opinions come out of that guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got Mr. Dustin Hoffman <gasps> as Ratso. I've never seen a Midnight Cowboy. Do you know that? That's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, we, we all know John Schlesinger, director of Billy Liar. Mm. And uh, oh, this good. is this is his best movie. Um, With, and well, yeah. and I've got another one to talk about. I'll just skip right to Marathon Man, John Schlesinger, mm, Dustin Hoffman, our boy Henry V, our <gasps> Mr. Laurence Olivier playing a Ooh. Nazi war criminal. Uh, comparing Marathon Man to all-time classic, The Boys from Brazil. All the Brazil has the really? edge. That movie is superb trash. Marathon Man is like prestige trash. Mm. It's like Marathon Man has a really great ending. It pays off super well. It's, it, yeah. it builds up quite nicely. It, it's kind of a mess getting to those points. It's um, based on a screenplay book or something like that. William Goldman guy wrote like. Mm-hmm. The big one classic book on like screenplay writing everybody references because everyone loves Princess Bride, and mm. um, Marathon Man is like one of his big things. Do you know about Marathon Man? Do you know the? Not at all. I've oh. only ever seen oh, okay. Daily Liar by Joe Schlesinger. 
Okay. So, uh, so Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman, he is a like incredibly intelligent uh, PhD candidate uh, in history Ooh. who wants to write a book on uh, fascism and authoritarian powers in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is because his father was uh, accused of being at red during the McCarthy era and wound up killing himself out of like despondency, oh, and losing his job and being like all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So his storyline is like, he's living in New York trying to like get this project done and deal with like his weird, like obsessions, what his, his like personality flaws, disorders. He's got some stuff going on. They don't go into mm-hmm. that. Um, He's got a brother, we find out, played by Roy Schneider, who's like a spy. He's he's not like he works for what's called the division. So it's kind of like mm. somewhere between the CIA and FBI. They get to do whatever they want. And uh, one of the things they're working on is they got this Nazi in their back pocket who lives down in Argentina. And mm-hmm. he's got a whole bunch of money uh, holed up down in New York that they're fishing out. They're, they're sending out in uh, like coffee cans and stuff slowly over time in exchange for giving up Nazi names around the world. This this is all going great. This, this whole gimmick, no one knows about it. And then one day, uh, Nazi's brother living in America gets into a altercation with a Jewish man. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> Cause it's the, what do you mean by altercation? So it's like a, it's the most New York scene. It's like something from like taking a Pelham one, two, three, where like oh. one guy's car breaks down and it's like just blocking the lane. And then this like irate Jewish guy pulls up behind him and is just infuriated about this. And then they get into like a verbal altercation and it turns into a high chase, like car pursuit where they both die in a fiery explosion, <laughs> uh, which triggers all these <laughs> other events. And uh, eventually Roy Schneider comes back and uh, there's something going on. There's this like uh, Swiss broad that's like really interested in Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Roy Schneider's like, what? This doesn't make any goddamn sense. There's something weird here. Uh, Lawrence Olivier, uh, Nazi down Argentina, he's coming back to get the money now that his brother's dead. And it just keeps building and building. The big iconic scene is like, uh, I guess, Lawrence Olivier is asking, is it safe? Is it safe? And you have no idea what that means. And there's like a dental extraction because he was a dentist extracting gold from Jews' mouths at uh, Auschwitz and doing experiments Ooh, and all, all those good things. Isn't that what they did in uh, X-Men First Class? Yeah. It's With pro- your buddy uh, Michael Fassbender? Yeah, it's probably – and it's lifted right from this movie that everyone sure. lives from. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this movie's uh enjoyable, but uh, it's not like a – some people would hold it up as like this like great piece of 70s thriller, but it's 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 a garbagey movie, but it's like mm-hmm. also very effective. Like the ending is like outstanding. So good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what uh sometimes it's like it's strange because a lot of movies have really strong beginnings and then they don't and then they finish weak. Mm-hmm. This movie I think starts very like confusingly and like what is this thing? Like why do people talk about this? And then it builds up really, really well and it's got a fantastic mm-hmm. conclusion. So yeah, I, I it's a total recommend. Um, well, I'll take your word yeah. for it, I guess. And then I watched uh, another uh, filmmaker that RJ loves. Mm. Todd Solondz directed mm. Welcome to the Dollhouse. This is his uh, prior film to Happiness, another one of mm. RJ's favorite movies. Is this a future creep? No, no, there's uh, not, none of these uh, Solondz Speculation. films. Speculation. Uh, one day I think Happiness should be, and uh, these both probably could wind up in there. We'll find out. I won't watch either of them once we get there oh, in you, 20 years oh, when we're long dead. But you shall. But you shall. Uh, welcome to the dollhouse. I find uh, this is a movie 
follows uh, the adventures of Dawn Wiener. She's a uh, great, okay. she's a kid that's in grade six, the first year oh. of junior high, and her life is hell because junior high is hell, and it just deals with the like aw- the awkwardness, the like the cruelty of people in the way Todd Solons does, where he amps up their cruelty, but he shoots his stuff in the sort of like cinematic kind of pleasing way, and the music's at odds with like how awful everything is. And you're supposed to be like, ah, it's like presented like it's a comedy, but it's like really depressing stuff. It's, mm. it's saw it's Solens, pure Solens. Uh, is this a, that eighth grade movie? This is, sounds <laughs> or, like what that's or about. Mid mid nineties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, this movie could never be made the way that it was now that no one would, no one would green light this. This is definitely. Why? A film. What did they do? Ah, it's just the coarseness of it. Like just how raw and um, like, the way Todd Solondz presents things, no one, everyone's horrible and it's constant. Like even like Don Wiener, who's like always being victimized. You feel like shit. She starts taking it out on other people and like, she comes off horrible because we all, mm. we all become victims in the end. Um, I don't know about you, but I think, I think junior high is a horrible experience for everyone involved. I don't know. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I had a great time. <laughs> you had a great I'm still time. having a great time. That's weird without context. You, whatever people can make it's it's not weird people can make of that whatever they feel like yeah. <laughs> it's great yeah <laughs> hanging out you ever seen dunstan checks in that's pretty much what it's like okay. yeah mm-hmm. so uh yeah welcome to the house uh again it's it's kind of like on par for me with like i shot andy warhol uh okay. it would be a, it'd be a recommend but it's kind of like it's a little less amazing as i like remember Age? It being yeah it's like just like certain things certain filmmaking choices are not as like what I would want, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's also a product of the nineties. There's this particular window of time where it's like, yeah, this is what movies were like, but now it's like, oh, we don't make, we don't do things like that anymore because it's not aged well, but it's, yeah. but it's like not bad when you take that into consideration. So people say about you. Um, I'm thinking of like an eighties movie that has like an eighties vibe. River's Edge with What's Keanu Reeves. <gasps> Chris Did you watch that because of the hype? No. Um, why did I watch River's Edge? I think another podcast was covering River's Edge recently, hmm. and I was looking, and I'm like, I haven't seen that movie forever, and maybe it's uh, gotten better. Because it's always a movie that like people were are, have been pretty hot on, and I've watched a couple times. It's got some like super memorable scenes, but for the most part, I was like never like in love with it. And rewatching it now, I like it more than I used mm-hmm. to. Uh, so this is a movie. It's kind of like a. Uh, it's, it's a strange film. So it came out in 1986, the same year as Blue Velvet. Mm. It is about a group, bunch of teenagers who are dealing with uh, a murdered classmate whose body is found by a river. Mm. Uh, it is directed by Tim Hunter, who goes on later on to direct episodes of Twin Peaks. Ooh. Uh, they, they, this, these films share cinematographers, Blue Velvet and River Wild. Same guy shot both oh, of these weird. things. Yeah, there's and then like the the Keanu Reeves kid, like you have all these guys in like leather jackets, high school kids who don't give a shit. It's very like Laura Palmer and Bobby. Like it's got all these little elements. And we're like, did David Lynch watch River's Edge and go, well, I could do better? And then probably and, and then did like I don't know. It's all like possibly there, just a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and, and oh, and Dennis Hopper is in both these movies, right? So it's like oh, fascinating. Like it's just these weird little crossovers. But uh, mm. yeah, River's Edge is yeah what I kind of said. Uh, girl is dead 
she's been strangled by her boyfriend. Jeez, Jerry. And, and and he's just like, yeah, I killed her. It's it's Cliff from Matlock. Uh, he's a longtime character actor. His name escapes me. He he just he Who? knows. He, did you ever watch Matlock? Fuck no, I'm not like a hundred years old. Come on, <laughs> Cliff. Come on. He's a PI. He's he's the killer in this, but he's like, I don't care. Like I did it, and I want to be punished for it. Crispin Glover is the good friend who really wants to bail him out. Uh, it seems like this movie really tries the patience of people. I don't know if you would. Be, like, I feel like he would drive you nuts in this movie because he drives a lot of people nuts. He's very mm. Crispin Glover in River's Edge. Is he like Crispin Glover in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four? Uh, it's even more amped up. Ooh, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm mostly on board with Crispin Glover. I think this movie. I think a lot of people are, but then they see this and they go, "He rem- he takes uh, me out of it." I was sending I you see. some uh, some sweet uh, video footage that I was oh. getting off my TV from this film that I was watching uh, the other night. Yeah, you were uh, just sending me like these things, and I was like, "What is happening here?" I was like, "What are, what are we doing?" Because you were just sending me these like clips. I had no I, I had no context to. <laughs> I don't know. If I, was like, I don't know if context is required though. I think the scenes oh. are hilarious on their own. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't think we should be promoting the violence against police. It's like fuck, fuck off, Kevin. Wasting cops is radical. Radical. Well, in one scene they're telling Kevin to fuck off, and then in the next scene they're praising Kevin. No, they're and not. I, they're not, RJ. This is a failure of your ability. Totally to, praising no, Kevin. He was backhandedly praising him because he's like, "Thank you for your self-aggrandizing." Uh, yeah, he's like he's totally Sounds burying like a good compliment. Him. RJ, do you comprehend words? <laughs> and then he gets told to shut up because Kevin sucks. He's a he's a on Twitter right now. Well, Jared, I think that the main thing to consider when talking about comprehension is: Do you understand? No. Do you understand? I understand nothing. Huh? Okay, I'm gonna cut off here. Um, okay. So. I watched Aguirre, The Wrath of God. Okay. This is uh, some premier Werner Herzog material. Mm. If any film belongs in the Criterion Collection, this does. I don't know if is it's it ever going to happen. It is not. Ooh, there there is actually like no, no Werner Herzog in the Criterion Collection. There's the documentary yeah. Burden of Dreams, directed by Les Blanks, uh, about the making of Fitzcarraldo. Uh, that is. But uh, yeah, other than that, no... Uh, I don't believe there is any Werner Herzog in the collection, which is sad. Aguirre would Damn, be my, I, I, I think that would be my inductee. Get the, mm-hmm. get that colonial trilogy in there. This, uh, Fitzcarraldo and, uh, Cobra Verde, get them all in there. Cobra but Verde. Th- those, those rights are tied up. But yeah, Aguirre, Wrath of God. This is a movie that I, I have this weird memory of now. Friend of the show, listener of the show, Lawrence. Uh-oh. He took a film class with a guy. And, uh, at some point, this instructor of the class kind of like, made a comment to Lawrence that he thought that he had loved Aguirre, the wrath of God all his life. And then Mm -hmm. he rewatched it for the class and went, this movie isn't that good. Like what? (laughs) I don't know what that happened. And I was like, in my mind going into this thing, like, Oh man, what if that happens to me? What if I don't think this movie is any good any longer? And nope. Well, did it happen? This movie's awesome. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Good to know. It is. uh, It feels like a, it's got this like, dungeon synth score from Popple Ooh, nice. Blue. It is so great. It's like exactly the sort of thing you'd play in like a uh, low class dungeon crawl RPG game on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like a doomed uh, 
role-playing group venturing down a river to like go find the city of gold and they all get wiped out by uh villagers that they've uh, run mm-hmm. afoul of mm-hmm. um acting's awesome the the, mm-hmm. the music of it the sense of dread it's it's so well photographed it's uh i think it's just like in full frame too and it's like oh yeah we just shot this going down a goddamn raft down the river and there's the i mean there's a little bit of a rj animal cruelty action going on here there's a little bit there's a little with bit, those but, monkeys well there's that there's horse the, there's that there's the bit with the horse that horse doesn't look like it's having the best of time but then it gets onto land real quick um, well, it's all, and then there's a monkey that gets allegedly. tossed. One, one monkey gets tossed. That's oh, one monkey. One says. monkey. And the monkey. There, there was like one monkey who one got monkey. thrown off one time. Like it's yeah. he got nothing tossed. to get weird about. He got kiddo. tossed. He got tossed off camera. He, he is fine. He's a little oh. monkey. He's nimble. Yeah. Yeah, but you see him being tossed on camera. You just don't see where he lands. That's off camera, right? Uh, I'll, I, I might talk about it next week. But even dwarfs started small. Holy shit, is that not an RJ movie? My, what movie? Even Dwarves started small. Okay. Well, I'm not going to watch that then. Oh, man. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, that Herzog. Oh. Yeah, that's some Herzog. That movie is not a movie for RJ. Because of animal uh, cruelty? Oh, a little bit. A little bit. Or just because it's pretty, pretty uh well, What are these little guys doing animals? Pricks? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh man. So anyway, Aguirre. Yeah, you talk about next it, week. Whatever. It holds up. Excellent okay. movie. Love it. Haters, what what's your problem? One more movie. One more okay. movie. Okay. I rewatched X2. Okay. I'm uh I'm holding my breath. Okay. Lay it so, on me. We've I, talked about X2 yeah, many I've, times. I've often said the best superhero movie is X2, mm-hmm. but I haven't watched it for a while, so I don't know if that's true anymore. Because in the world that X2 existed in, it was the most competently made superhero movie we had, hands okay. down. Okay. Okay. I have not seen this movie in like probably 15 years. Um, a lot of things going on. Taste change. And uh, rewatching X2, yeah, it's really long. It is my two God. hours and 13 Jenner. minutes. The magic's gone, my friend. The magic has dissipated. No. It's it's washed away. You should have left it in memory. Hey, see, this is what happened with, with me with Unbreakable, Unbreakable remember? And, and see, that's on my list of things to like all these don't, like don't. My, my, my blue DVDs that I have Matrix, Unbreakable, this. And okay. I was like, the Matrix is really good. Unbreakable does not hold up. Trust me. Yeah, it's. Trust me. I, I feel like it'll have the same weird like lifelessness that this movie has. Like I was kind of like marveling at how out of it Patrick Stewart seems in this whole thing. Like mm-hmm. he really doesn't look like he's paying attention to anything going on. Which like maybe that was like a decision that he made. Um, like just compared to like I don't know. Actually, see Logan, and then going back to watch this, it's kind of like, oh, PG thirteen Wolverine is not a lot of fun. I mean, he's like Hugh Jackman definitely has the most presence of anybody. There's a reason why like he's beloved. He's still pretty mm-hmm. good. There's moments that are like uh, still well done. The Nightcrawler and the White House stuff is pretty rad still. But some of it like there's like some slow motion jankiness in the like transitions that kind of are. Oh, I wish that wasn't there. But it's the limitations. They were pushing the like limit of like visual effects at that time. And mm-hmm. that stuff still looks really good. It's so well lit and it's like as seamless as they could get in 2003, or I guess they would, would have been making this in 2002. 
Um, it looks so much better than the shit I saw in Black Panther. Like where it's like they don't even try. Like it all because, comes down to Black Panther. Well, that's eh? the, the one that people love. And then you watch and you go, "What are people talking about? It mm-hmm. looks like it looks bad." Not even getting it. This looks like, like shit. Yeah. Like well, I've seen now the uh, clip of like the big final fight of them flying through like tubes at the end. Like they're just falling mm-hmm. and they're these floaty, lifeless bodies just slashing at each other. It's like God damn it! Like it looks so mm-hmm. bad, and yet no one cared. Because they were making a point, RJ. So X two, it's a prestige film. The the, right? the, the big attack on uh, the, the 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 mansion, mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool. And then I always remember, oh yeah, Colossus. I remember everyone going, mm-hmm. oh shit, it's like, this is back when people were like, oh man, I'm seeing all my favorite characters, and he's like, let me help you, help mm-hmm. them. And it's like, oh, they just wrote Colossus out of the movie. God damn it. Uh, Ian <laughs> Kellen there. is way too old for Magneto. <laughs> he's so he's like sixty in X2? two in X two. He's got to be sixty two, sixty three mm-hmm. between X one and X two, and yeah, he's old. Um, Stamos, uh, she's not bad as Mystique here. I remember like being like mm-hmm. really like not a fan of the Mystique character. I thought the costume looked women. shitty, but now I'm like. Now that they basically stuck with that look all the way through, um, like last the, twenty the, years, the first class stuff with like Jennifer Lawrence, it's like okay. Now I'm just used to it; it's mm-hmm. acceptable. Um, but yeah, the one thing I was reminded of is how much, and I've talked about this at some point with you about X Men: De- uh, Days of Future Past. How much I love watching mutants fight in movies. Yeah, really well choreographed uh, mutant battles are awesome. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. them. They look so, they're so fun. You have to be inventive with it, like how they use uh, their powers in combo with one another. Yep. I have no idea if that's a thing in Endgame, if there's like that sort of forethought where they say, hey, let's put these characters together and have them work like in conjunction to like do really cool action scenes. Is that in Endgame at all? Or is well, that Jared, just like, a this thing scene, of the past? There's a scene, Jarrett, where there's this lady and they're like, I don't even know who you are. And she's like, I will. And then all the female characters come out. And then they all fight uh, all all the bad guys. Now, do they have like a scene where like their fight their fighting is integrated and they're fighting like? No, there's nothing like See, that. That's the thing. That this is what I'm talking about. Like, well, I mean, the, there's uh, I would say there's one scene where it's Thor and Captain America, and they're like whipping uh, Mjolnir back and forth off of like Thanos' okay. head. But like that, that's that's it. I would say that's the extent. And that's the thing that people got excited about too is like that sort of yeah. And that's, and that's now fan service rather than hey, we're watching an action movie. Let's yeah. watch. Let's do some action scenes that people want mm-hmm. to see, rather than they just come in and Spider-Man kills a bunch of aliens. Activate instant kill. Yeah. Fuck, it's stupid. I can't. I can't stand that. That bothers me so much. <laughs> it's so dumb. Why did anyone think that was a good idea? Uh, no, it, it wasn't. But and why, why I, I, when I mention it, people go, "What do you mean? They don't even notice this stuff." I noticed. It'll, it'll happen, RJ. I noticed. The, the, the backlash is going to begin. Uh, yeah, it's got enough fan service. It'll be a little bit, but, uh, it'll still happen. It's it'll gonna, still happen. It's gonna, just like with infinity war, it's mm-hmm. only, it's going to creep in and people will be like, Oh, maybe that movie wasn't as good as I thought. Mm-hmm. It always does. Yep. So yeah, X2, I don't well, even know. That's a major bummer. It's yeah. There's some, like the whole back half of that movie. Um, I didn't even notice this until, uh, Parker Bowman on Letterboxd, he mm-hmm. pointed this out. And I was watching it and I went, holy shit, for all the times I've seen this, it really makes no sense. How did Magneto know where the Blackbird was about to crash? That was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of like no particular destination. And shit's uh, going crazy. Yeah, I and have then, an answer. And then Magneto just appears and you're like, 
Huh. I have an answer to that, Jared. Okay. Because this, uh, this is how I always interpreted it. They're in those forests, and aren't isn't the blackbird like looking for a magneto or are no. they just flying by they're just they're just, yeah no there's so, just no reason the whatsoever. way i always took it was Cause, that because i thought magneto up. brought it down and that's why he was in front of him because well th- that's but they didn't bring it i mean how did he get so close that he could bring it down at that point like because he controls because, all of metal jared oh, he, he controls he, he, all he of metal he couldn't travel that fast to pinpoint them in the middle of like the continent of America so quick it's so much like a wow they just and they don't even try to bother to explain it's just like yup and that's what it is and then from that point on it becomes like very like all the stuff at the dam there's so mm. much stuff in the dam so much stuff I like some of the stuff at the dam I like when they leave uh, the um on the the blackbird they're like you guys stay here and it's pyro and you're just like ooh fuck that guy's gonna do some bad stuff but then it never really well, comes. There's there's like the bullshit thing too, where like uh, Magneto tightens up the chains around Brian Cox, saying we'll never see each other again. You're like, oh shit, he just fucking strangled Brian Cox to death. But then no, he just moved him in his chains to another to like a rock elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You're like, why? What, what? Magneto would just kill him, like he killed yeah. the the guard. I will make you have a worse fate than that. You will drown. <laughs> or maybe, well, I mean, maybe. Yeah. And it's like it's like release oh, the river, Jarrett. Like it's, the ends. It's, it's did very in, uh, much a, a, a PG affair. It's not this movie's not terrible. Like yeah. I still have like kind of like a nostalgia for it, but yeah, it is not a uh, all time banger classic that I remembered. And uh, I think well, also I do not care about superhero movies at all. I know you really I, don't anymore. I really, 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 really don't. And so this was just like okay. I remember liking this one, and now it's like oh, I could be watching like another Werner Herzog movie instead of mm. this. And like, there's like, you, uh, there's, there's this like a whole world of cinema. I'd rather experience and watch again than X2. I'll stand up for X2 and I'll just say that, uh, I'm going to leave it in memory. And for me, it will always be a five star affair. There you go. I, I won't deny it. I won't, uh, take that away from you. So you, you really got to watch it and ruin it for yourself. <laughs> just for everyone. Yeah. The, the, the problems become a lot more prevalent. Like, cause I remember, I'm sure I remember like arguing with people like, what? This movie's awesome. They go, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, no, no, it's really good. Same with unbreakable. And now maybe they were ahead of the curve and I was, and I was yeah, in the right see? state of mind. Unbreakable um, man. Who are the real monsters? You got it. You got to be careful with that fucking thing. You got to be real careful, Jared. Oh man! So we've we've been talking for almost two hours. We we haven't haven't even talked about that one movie yet. The movie we're here to talk about. Holy shit! Let's do it after the break. Screw the news. Um, we're going on a manhunt. We're going to get. We're going to get our man, Pepe Lamoco. Pepe Shitto.
Il y aura 3000 veuves à son enterme. Il n'y a qu'un moyen d'arrêter Pépé. C'est de le faire descendre en ville. Un pas dehors, il n'y a plus de Pépé. Descendu le Pépé. Chez une amie. 12 rue de la Bravoire. Oh, les types qui ont l'air de tout tracer et qui ne tracent rien, moi, ils me les cassent. Et Serenade au pierre de lune, c'est pas mon fort. Mais fous-moi le camp Fous-moi le camp Oh, t'as pas besoin de me forcer. Ça va Ce sont des gens avec qui on ne peut pas discuter. Tu portes ta carte d'inspecteur sur la figure. Avoir l'air d'un faucheton à ce point-là, je te jure que c'est vraiment de la franchise. Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Pepe Lamoco from 1937, directed by Julien Duvivier. The, the synopsis no? from Letterboxd. Pepe Lamoco, one of France's most wanted criminals, hides out in the Casbah section of Algiers. He knows police will be waiting for him if he tries to leave the city. When Pepe meets Gabby Gould, a gorgeous woman. Gabagool. Right? A gorgeous woman from Paris who is lost in the Casbah. He falls for her. She also reminds him of all the things he loves about Paris. Even as Pepe knows he is being trailed by Inspector Slimane, he considers a future with Gabby. Gabagool. Hey, R- Gabagool. Hey, RJ. 
mm-hmm. is the return of Jean Gabin to the creep zone. Who's uh, Jean Gabin? Uh, the man from the very first Criterion film, Grand Illusion. What? Yeah. How really? About? Oh, see, he's the man on the poster with the hair. Pepe. Pepe Lomoco. I think you need to put more emphasis on uh, that Pepe Lomoco. Pepe Lomoco? Pepe. Pe- Pepe, mm. Pepe Le Pew? Hey, oh. hey, Pepe Le Pew is apparently We're based kid- on another guy's performance of Pepe Lomoco. But Did we'll, you? Uh, we'll, we'll oh, get yeah, there. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Hot shot. So, RJ, I've mm-hmm. got a question here for you. Sure. Are you a fan of poetic realism? Could you explain the term? Oh, I assume that you did your research on Pepe Lamoco, because I imagine that it engendered a great deal of interest and intrigue in you. I know uh, Poetic Justice, the movie with uh, Tupac. Yeah. Is that the same thing? Well, RJ, let me tell you. So this poetic realism, mm-hmm. this seems to be a uh, uh, a term that gets thrown around for this, uh, this era of French filmmaking. Sure. Uh, from the... For the from the 30s to the 40s, sort of these movies that kind of uh, jump between like real, like kind of clean, realistic depictions of life in their movies. But then there's sort of these breaks into uh, kind of like this lyrical photography. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you noticed, uh, I think we both watched this on the Criterion channel. Yes. Yep. So w- while I was watching this film, the print looks pretty good. And then you can really tell though that there's scenes that are like, completely out of focus um where it's like very blur like full-on blurry and you're like that's an interesting way to shoot this particular moment where people are just Mm -hmm. like i'm not sure what's going on with the lenses or whatever but it's like i think these are decisions being made by this Mm -hmm. uh this julian fellow making this movie duvier duvier Duvivier. I'm sure we are just doing that name great service right now. Oh, of course. So this is a this this poetic realism thing. This is what oh this sure. Is. I've seen one recently. It's uh, a couple of years ago. When I was doing some film noir watching and researching. Uh, this movie sometimes is kind of like described as like proto noir, I guess. But proto noir. Yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd see the day. Yeah. Well, I mean. You're on, on you're on the creep podcast. You get those five dollar words trotted mm-hmm. out every once in a while. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, there's this movie called Moon Tide, also with Jean Gabin, and um, it, it's just an affectation of these movies that are like very um, they're soft. They 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 have these moments. They don't feel like traditional narratives. Like I think it's more. Where like, are they soft, it's, Jared? It's, it's a uh, the way that they're shot, the way the footage they pick up, it's kind of like a little around the edges. Well, yeah, a little pudgy, a little mm-hmm. love handles. Uh, a little soft. Yeah, so mm-hmm. these are movies that I think like maybe in nineteen thirty, like in the nineteen thirties, this sort of like um, these Terrence Malick, like proto Terrence Malick, uh, like these things where you, you just <laughs> yeah, have like okay. shots of things that are happening that you would not normally shoot because they don't serve mm-hmm. any narrative function they're just kind of like artfully placed and there's a sure. way that they're done in this era that everyone's kind of like maybe referencing one another and they're just kind of like building up and making these movies that are becoming more and more like conventional narratives but they're also artistic uh, uh embellishments yeah you, you hanging with me here i i understand so, i'm just writing down notes i'm trying to keep you accountable <laughs> okay yeah you're okay that's fine so, RJ, uh, I'd never seen Pepe Lamoco before. 
mm-hmm. there is really not a lot of reputation around this movie uh, as far as something that like when people talk about their top 10 criterions, Pepe Lamoco, I feel probably isn't up there. But probably it, 11 though, right? Yeah, but I, I've seen some people who have seen it. They seem to like this movie. And, oh, uh, sure. And I, I wonder why. So, mm. again, never seen this movie before. Watched it. It, it starts off with a, a map of uh, Algiers, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm mostly familiar with Algiers from the film The Battle of Algiers, which is sure. a great movie. Future Creep? Future Creep. And so this is a movie. It's like, okay, cool. It's Algiers. And I'm starting watching it, and I'm like, okay, we, we're getting that, like, that... Uh, that Casablanca vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's pretty strong. And I don't think, I think the, the existence of Casablanca really doesn't do this movie any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, because this movie really doesn't have a lot going for it. I would say, um, tell me, tell me more. Well, I was reminded watching this movie of Tintin comics. Uh, I'm not sure if you've watched. Elaborate. Have you read Hergé's uh, Tintin comics? Do you remember? I've seen the movie by Peter Jackson. And Steven uh, Steven Spielberg. And Spielberg and whoever the other third guy was. Yeah. There was one more, wasn't there? Uh, GDT. Was he in the mix? Oh, it might have been GDT. Because remember, one of them was going to direct one. One of them was going to direct. I think Spielberg directed the first one, and then Peter Jackson was going to direct the second film that is still not materialized. In development. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, have you ever read a Hergé comic? Because I remember uh, these, these I've used seen to be, the movie. Uh, this is like more of like a so it's a French comic, well Belgian comic. Um, okay. And the only like I don't know if American listeners would know this stuff. Canadian listeners are probably far more familiar because we have a francophone community, and mm. so things like Asterix and Tintin were on things like the bookmobile and like children's sections. And the yeah. coolest thing about these things was like holy shit, it's comics in in my when I was growing up. In the like late '80s, early '90s, comic books were not in libraries. Fashion. They, they were. They were like, the, like, why would you buy that garbage? That hot mm-hmm. shit. Your Batman comics. But then, for some reason, Tintin and Asterix kind of like skated through because, well, they're uh, regarded by some as great art. Let me tell you, RJ, Hergé Tintin comics are absolutely stunningly beautifully drawn. They are exquisite. I've heard. Uh, exquisitely crafted. Mm-hmm like comics story-wise i could give a fuck about tintin stories about tintin yeah i um i'm not a fan i've never read one that okay. i've liked it's, they they mean nothing to me and there's something because these were written in like like the 20s a lot of these tintin comics they're mm-hmm. like old like they, they look gorgeous but man they're not interesting at all to me there's something about these uh this particular brand of colonial comic where it's just a bunch of people traversing these like foreign lands and having adventures with these in these exotic locations and that's like enough and people would watch these in their like home of like i'm gonna go to the theater i'm gonna i mm-hmm. live in like in paris and i'm gonna watch this movie about uh that wonderful magical place of the Casbah of Algiers and like have this like, like kind of crime story about it and like putting over how amazing Paris is. Mm. And uh, so this is a movie that's like, it sets up this map with 
Algiers. And mm-hmm. there's a bunch of detectives all standing around. Why haven't you made an arrest yet? What's going on here? And then we get this sort of like photo essay uh, in this like newsline-y headline way explaining the complexities of the Casbah and how they have labyrinthian roads. and like, <laughs> The Casbah. Yeah, and you have all these like these ladies – of all sizes and shapes and flesh and uh, anything can be bought at a price, but it's also very dangerous. And the police, they like have like a, they can't really just go in and arrest a man because they, they might be able to make the arrest, but they won't come out of there alive. Mm-hmm. That, that we're, this is what we're told. And you never like, there's nothing in this that really ever explains that other than like when the police show up and try to make an arrest, uh, Pepe Loco starts taking shots at people's legs. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, I'm so charming. I don't just try to kill you. I just, cripple you to prove a point you'll still live you might walk mm-hmm. with a limp because i'm a classy guy i'm a good dude apparently <laughs> i'm a good guy yeah i'm a nice guy so the whole movie sets up like this angry uh man from paris he's like why haven't you made an arrest well i'll show you how to do business because this man mm-hmm. with his uh fez hat he's like no 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 i'm i'm work. i'm doing this the slow burn i've got this all figured out i'll be the <laughs> one who arrests him he knows it but we're all good He's the he's the boss and where he is, but one day he's going to slip mm-hmm. up and it's all going to go great because a woman's going to come along because it's always a woman, RJ. There's always yeah. a woman. Yeah, he says. Yeah, as, as RJ knows very well. So, wow. uh, continuing on, Pepe Lamoco. Wow. We're introduced to him. He's making some deals. There's like a big build up to the reveal of what he looks like, and then mm-hmm. it's Sean Gaban. Great, um, and. <laughs> There, there, there's some uh, some foreign woman traveling along, and he's like, "Hey, lady!" And she gets kind of swept up in this whole like <laughs> crackdown. This they're trying to arrest him, and she's like, "Well, this is very uh, uh, novel coup d'état." <laughs> yeah, and it's like there's adventures, and uh, boy, after like the first twenty minutes, are all set up, and you're like, "Okay, this movie like it's all set up. Where does it go from now? For from here, mm-hmm. it doesn't go anywhere." It doesn't go anywhere for like an hour. Tell me what RJ. you really feel. It uh, there's just a lot of scenes of conversing about man. I'd like to go back to Paris, but I can't. But I mm-hmm. want to go back to Paris. Oh, but it's just not going to work. I just don't know. And it's the scenes of uh, with people, and nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. Nothing happens, Jared. Are then, you sure that not some for, things happen? Some, conversations and like backstabs and like people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. It's like the most uh-huh. like pedestrian stuff like there's nothing interest there's no characters that you care about it's all stock stuff like this feels like the most generic novel it's based on a novel mm-hmm. um it's just like who, why why does anyone care about this why why is this here mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Uh, it mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me uh along with tintin comics and also kind of in the same ballpark as coup de torchon which is another <gasps> which is another uh colonial <laughs> french narrative but it's like 40, 50 years later, 40 years, yeah, 40 years later. And it's the same kind of thing where you're like, I'm not invested in this, like, this critique or whatever is dealing with, like, this world. Like, I don't care about pith helmets. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want this. Like, this isn't interesting in in, in itself. Um, I've always had this, like, indifference to the subject matter, ultimately. So in no way is this movie for me. I don't know who it's for. There's nothing there that earns my interest at all. Um, mm-hmm. and I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. RJ, what did you yes. think of Pepe Lamoco? Pepe Lamoco? Pepe Lachetto? Oh! Uh, so it's actually, I think you summarized it pretty well where, um, my biggest takeaway from this movie was, why is this a movie? Why does this exist? 
And like I was kind of like a little bit more blunter than how you put it. But I was watching this and I was like, what is this? Like, what is this story about? Why are we watching this guy who we're always told about how impressive he is, but never really shown and told about how he is like this head guy that everyone's afraid of. So you can't get to him. And it's like, OK, sure. You don't have to show that. Whatever. He's no Bob Flambeau. He's no Bob Flambeau. Uh, they they make you know what's going on with that dude. So you see Pepe. He's always just like hanging around, sleeping on like couches and shit. And you're like, all right. And then you see like all his sidekicks doing their own thing. And then you like you get introduced to the uh, what I would call the gimmick sidekick, the man with the ball and cup, which is just like watching that guy in this movie fucking made me like I, I don't even know how to describe it. i was like what is the point of this like that dude who's just like he's like i gotta get this ball in this cup i really gotta get it and it's just like all right i guess that they must have thought that that was a real cool thing but it's like could you imagine now if there was a newer mo- uh, newer movie where uh one of the sidekicks just had a fidget spinner and he was just like flicking the shit out of that while they were like doing their thing because it's essentially the same thing right it's essentially the same thing, Jared. <laughs> yeah. A Rubik's so, Cube? A Rubik's Cube or like whatever. It's like, yeah, I get that. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. But you have like, I just, I really had a, I really had no interest because, not that it was boring or anything like that. It's not, I don't think it's actually a boring movie. It's just like the entire time watching it, I said, why, why should anyone care? It's just this dude moping around. For an hour and a half. And it's just like, everyone's like, yeah, you got to watch out for Pepe Lamoco. He's a wild man. And then it'll cut to him and he'll just be like on a bed and he'll be like, mm, mm. or he'll be like playing poker. And then you're like, okay, man, whatever. And then even the stuff with like the girl, I, I don't yeah. think is super believable. You have, you have that stupid scene where it's like the undercover cop is like pretending to sleep. And he's like, he's like casually pushing like drinks towards them. And it's like, uh, uh, it's like, I know this movie's like 90 years old, but still, I was kind of like, uh, I'm not really into that. And then I don't really buy the relationship either because he's talking about the whole thing is how he's got like all sorts of girlfriends, right? And you're like, okay, fine. And then this girl comes and it's because she's from his old neighborhood. And so you, you get the impression, you're like, okay, so he's he's in love with nostalgia. He's not in love with like her. Is that what you're going after here? Is that he mm. loves, it's like a sense of home. Sure. But th- there's nothing really, I feel like that makes that lady or like their relationship at all stand out. It's like, what do you like that? She has no eyebrows. Like what, what is, what is the deal here? Like why there's nothing to believe that their relationship is real. I think. So I had issue with that. I was like, I don't know what that is. You ain't um, buying what it's selling. Ain't buying what it's selling. I didn't realize that this was the uh, prequel to the Puppet Master series, Jared. Oh, because you get uh, Toulon, the uh, some they're, they're talking about some guy named Toulon and how he's like, I don't know, some kind of designer. And I was like, oh, is that Andre Toulon <laughs> from the Puppet Master series? Interesting. I bet Charles Band is a fan of Pepe Lamoco. It's possible. <laughs> possible. But I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of like I think you you did kind of sum it up in a way that I like 
But the whole time watching it, I was just kind of like, well, it's not the it's not the who cares thing. It's just like, well, it's like, what is this movie about? What are they, what are they what are they trying to say with this? RJ, I don't understand. Do, do you know who else is a been described as a poetic realist? Me, Renee Claire. Oh, but even that, it's like, so what is the poetic like realism here? Like, like what is like what is this movie about? No, I. What is it about? Yeah, I don't know. Tell me, tell me, Jarrett. I don't know. I, I it is about a man. It's 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 about putting over Paris and being like, man, France is great, right? It's about like it's like, man, if you can go wherever you want, but you just can't replace home. And this mm-hmm. guy's done some bad things, and it's like, well, now he can't go home, even if he wants to. Isn't that a tragedy? Because like, think about how great it is for you. Is it? I uh, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a Frenchman. Okay. I don't know, man. Like. I uh, I have no real opinion of that. All I know is that uh, I think Peppa Lamoco is just like this movie that exists in the world that has no meaning and no real consequence. Like you know what? It, I I don't know. I didn't. I don't know. Maybe if I was alive in the '30s, I'd be like, "Holy fuck! This thing is amazing!" <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. doubt it, but like I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I you know what I mean, Jared. I don't know. Tell me more about Pepe Lomoco. Mm. Pepe. Well, maybe Rene Claire is not necessarily one of these dudes who's all about the, the the essence of these films and the softness of moments. Like when, uh, like probably like one of the highlights of the movie uh, would be with Jean Gabin looking longingly at the boat as it sails away. I liked uh, the one scene that I liked a lot, or the two scenes are the intro where they're describing all of the, uh, like, oh, the montage, the, of, like the, the doctrinal of people who live in yeah. the uh, in the streets, and they're just talking about all of them. That where, seems cool. Where it's like a docudrama, basically. Yeah, yeah. I like that, and then I also like when the uh, the police come to the the whorehouses and all the Johns run away, and there's that. That like little kid just sitting there crying. I was like, "Oh, that's a striking image." Oh, right. Then the mom comes in, grabs the kid afterwards. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just little things like that. We were like, "Okay." Oh, it's like that's nice. And now what's the story? And then it never gets around but, to that part. Yeah, it's like, oh, they killed Regis Philbin. That's like <laughs> dark, and you're like, no, it's not. You're like, come on. Well, Regis. RJ, I took a bullet yeah. here. I watched the American <gasps> remake. Wow. That came out Good for you, man. One year later. A year, yep. It's weird. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did it follow the same plot? So this here? movie, well, RJ, it's a movie called Algiers, mm-hmm. and uh, it is. It literally takes footage from <laughs> Pepe Lamoco and repurposes it around like new actors who are all doing their lines in English. But they're all Frenchmen. They're all playing Frenchmen. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the cop who comes from Paris to catch Pepe Lamoco. And he talks like this. And he's like, why haven't you done anything about this Pepe Lamoco? We got to bring him back to Paris. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Like, like, I'm like, why didn't they put like some effort into like, I don't know, redressing it? Like, don't make it the Casbah. Let's like find like, a, like an equivalent sort of like, like a hobo jungle in like 
America in Chicago or something like that. Like mm-hmm. make it so it's like, why can't we get this guy? It's like, ah, because of this like neighborhood, like everyone's going to defend him and like close quarters. Like, well, we can't find an equivalent. It's so unique to the region that we're depicting. So we're going to have like all American actors playing French people with like just there's a so the the lead actor Charles Boyer who uh, whose face I can't look at now without being reminded of the movie Gaslight, uh, which is a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And I always I didn't even realize Charles Boyer was actually French. And so watching this, I was like, oh, Charles Boyer, he's playing this French guy. I'm like, oh no, he's French, but he has this particular voice, the Frenchman voice. That's what kind more, of voice, little, Jared. Like a, oh, like, no, no, oh, that, that's a little bit more Quebecois. It, it is more like it, it is the Pepe Le Pew. Oh, I see. Yeah. A little more nuance. Yeah. He's a little bit more, I'd say, arguably charming the, than uh, Jean Gabin. But I think Jean Gabin's got mm-hmm. like an amazing face uh, for movies. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the movie, it opens up the exact same way with the map. And then it pans over <laughs> and there's a bunch of people standing in a room. Why can't you catch this guy? And then they'd use the exact same footage of the like docudrama montage of the Casbah, it's the exact same footage, but they edit really? out the fleshy chasm. They, 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 they. It's like a safer version for Americans. And apparently, uh, the story goes that the American production uh, didn't want to be just like an obvious ripoff, so they uh, at one point tried to buy the rights to Pepe Lamoco to destroy the print, and they'd mm-hmm. be like, "Our version exists now." <laughs> so I don't know if you. Uh, well, I mean, you know, but like, we've long went out. And collected all the other Criterion podcasts and just destroyed all the evidence of it. And we yeah. are officially the number one globally endorsed Criterion podcast. And to be honest, I think we are the only Criterion podcast now because of what we did. After we did those uh, uh, beat for beat remakes of all the other podcasts. Yeah, we, we did the remakes and then we went out and we destroyed all the other ones. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I, I understand. I mean, do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. How How was your uh, your? Uh, we always are about screen grabs and like finding mm-hmm. images. What were your uh, memorable moments? For, I think uh, I had Pepe th- I think I had two. Four minutes and forty five seconds was the fat, and then at four minutes and fifty seconds was the uh, the chasm of fat that yeah. no one would dare approach. Uh, I did have the timestamp for the baby in the street because I thought that was a nice image. And then at one hour, 17 minutes, and 30 seconds, we get to kill myself. And uh, I thought that was very fitting, Jarrett. Yeah. Very fitting. Because I was like, you know what? I bring it up on the show a lot, but uh, it's pretty much our life, right? Yeah. She's like, some days, oh. I, it's like that nice lady he's staying with. And she's like, some days I could just kill myself. When, and I was like, preach, sister. You want to hear a, a piece of bullshit about the American remake? Sure. So Pepe Lamoco is uh, shot and killed by the police because oh he doesn't do it himself. No, he uh, he's looking uh-huh. he's looking longingly at the boat, and mm-hmm. then he like is overwhelmed by emotion and proceeds to like you know kind of like run toward the boat. And mm-hmm. one of the cops that's there is like over eager, like, oh god, he's trying to get away, and he just guns him down. And the other uh, and sh- uh, sh- lineman's like no, and he dies in, mm-hmm. in someone's arms, and you're like oh. Yeah, that takes away his agency completely. Yeah, that's it's definitely not as poetic. Yeah, but it's more. I uh, guess you could say. Yeah, it's it's very uh, American. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, it's like the hero can't take his own life. 
Jarrett. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that would be he's a cowardly act. Well, but it's pretty brave to uh to say that love is stronger than life. Jarrett. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do no. you know what I mean, Jarrett? I don't care. Yeah. I think I think our biggest takeaway from this is uh who needs it? Yeah, I mean, unless you're uh going to do a deep dive on the director or Jean Gabin, I just I wouldn't watch this thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just not not for me and I can't pretend that it is. Good. I'm glad you uh now, finally had the courage to say it. <laughs> stand up for myself and stand for, up for yourself. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint people who are like, come on, come on. <laughs> You'll like Come it on, all. Jerry. It's all out of moments. It's like, nah. You're sure you're going to like Pepe Lomoco? Well, RJ, who hates Pepe Lomoco? I don't know. Not us, for sure. I mean, we were just kind of like. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's definitely like, oh. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Beatriz555. Beatriz. Beatriz. This review may contain spoilers. <gasps> and it, write, it reads, main character dies. Me. Eh. This movie is a sigh and a half. I wonder what, um, oh no, I guess that's a sigh and a half. I was going to say, I wonder what a full sigh would be. So uh, Beatrix, uh, Beatrice has a few five-star films, Jarrett, such as Avengers Endgame, Star Wars The Last Jedi, The Shape of Water mm-hmm. from GDT. There's other stuff like, I don't know, Schindler's List and... It's a wonderful life, which is bizarre. I also looked at their low-rated movies, but there's not much there. Oh. It's a weird uh, individual. Uh, what brought them to watch this movie? I don't know, actually. Um, we got, I don't know. We got Wilkes, one and a half star. Nice. I hated this movie for various reasons. <laughs> Primarily a bad film professor. I'll watch it again in 20 years. Maybe by then I'll have changed my mind. Oh, you know when you're in that film class and uh, you got those bad professors. You know what I mean, Jarrett? Nope. Five-star movies are what you would expect. Battleship, Potemkin, Night of the Hunter, (laughs) Bicycle Thieves, Moano, Buster Scruggs. Oh, man. Uh, one star. There's this person only has two half star movies. It's Pepe Lamoco and Breathless. Huh. So, I mean, make make that of it. Whatever you, whatever you will. I will. I shall. Okay. Thumb, one, mm-hmm. two stars. This is a lengthy one. Oh. Maybe more content than our actual episode. Produced while France was still the colonial power in Algeria. It's interesting to read this in terms of the fantasy of white colonialism in Africa. Pepe can easily be read as the ideal white colonist, powerful and seductive enough that the entire local community rallies behind him and protects him from the police. The grateful and loving native population is, of course, a colonist fantasy that justifies the foreign rule in the first place due to the rationale that they would be lost without the civilizing foreigners. The opening montage makes mm-hmm. this quite clear as the city is described as a maze-like cesspool made up of dark, winding streets like so many pitfalls. They intersect, overlap, twist in and out to form a jumble of mazes. The Casbah okay. is further described as an Orientalist fantasy of uncivilized darkness, as walking the streets is like a 
quote, descent into dark, putrid chasms of slimy porticos, dank, and lice-infested. Mm-hmm. Pepe also longs for France, and his attraction to the French woman who reminds him of home communicates that he ultimately doesn't belong here and needs to head back to his own country. A common theme is col- uh, in colonialist fiction is for travelers to be reaffirmed in their own European identities upon briefly encountering an exotic other and this film pretty mm-hmm. neatly fits that narrative even though it's complicated by its proto-noir ending oh. which sees his identity oh. realization not saving him from his fate as a crime film this is kind of interesting in that almost no actual crimes are committed the entire film and it mostly stays engaging due to the central performance but i find the narrative threads have uh here of pepe trying to protect uh Pierrot and the central love triangle not particularly interesting aside for, from it having some features of the nascent noir genre this film has also been frequently praised for being visually impressive but the only visuals here that i found consistently engaging were the bird's eye and long shots of the casbah that capture its maze-like qualities but since this success is wrapped up in the complicated colonialist ideas of the rest of the film it's hard to find pure visual enjoyment in them given that it's no fun to morally judge a movie okay. from this time We're period about done with this. i would have likely been able to move past these concerns if i were more narratively invested in the story but personally i find the stasis of pepe waiting for his fate to feel static and boring like this podcast oh so thumble thumble one is an interesting account Jared. they follow exactly zero people and they're followed by exactly zero people but it's currently active their last logged movie was today yeah well they they, they watched uh this very film uh like two weeks ago so i think this is a new account uh they are a fan of new war uh, favorite films include M and Scarface from 1932. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite films, 2002's hit Signs, featuring the fallen son, Mel Gibson. So this person's got good taste. Uh, they did just give a half-star review to a movie that sounds like it just came out. And uh, I've never heard of this thing, but it sounds interesting. It's called Laquisha. Uh, and it says a white guy pretends to be a black female talk radio host and becomes a huge hit. Hmm. So I find this movie interesting for a few reasons. And uh, I'll let you figure that out on your own. But uh, Laquisha. Interesting. Now we know this exists. Wow. And we wouldn't have if we didn't do this podcast. <laughs> huge. Now you know it exists. Well, there you go. I think that was a eloquent statement about this film. Why, Laquisha? <laughs> Pepe Lamoco. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie for sure. It absolutely is. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Yep. After the break, we yearn for Canada. We yearn for Canada. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? We piss ourselves. Jared.
RJ, are you going to be in a rush to visit the Casbah? I've never left, my man. Is this state of mind? It is if you make it. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about mm-hmm. your state of mind. Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared sure. Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Well, of course. We're on <laughs> Tumblr, RJ. Tumblr. I got Are you we on that. Tumblr now? I have no idea. Oh, I was waiting. I was going to. Okay. One day we will be. we got Patreon. Mm-hmm. We've got YouTube. Oh. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Ooh. Play. Ooh. Delicious. Next week, Spine huh? 173. What's that? Powell and Pressburger are in the house. Ooh, fuck. Those guys fuck hard. The life and death of Colonel Blimp. That sounds cool. Uh- I don't know what that's we're, about. We're but... going to find out if it's as advertised. Are you suggesting that they might not live and die? Uh, I don't know. We're going to find out. I hope so. I mean, it, it, it's practically guaranteed. Well, I like these Powell's and Pressburger dudes. Mm-hmm. Do you not? Uh, they're they're good. You like that red shoes. I do like that red you shoes. You like that black Narcissus. I like those blue yeah. suede not, shoes. Not, 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 not so much the uh, I know where I am going. <laughs> Well, that's the worst piece of shit movie ever. Oh, I forgot that they did that one, too. Uh, Oh, and Peeping Tom, which is like one of them. That's fine. That movie's okay. Good night, folks. Uh...